0: interesting day
1: (laughs) here we are again
0: (laughs) right (laughs) it doesn't seem like this is ending anytime soon
2: no fool me once you know accidental balloon shame on you fool me twice i don't know yeah all right
3: so what's the what's the latest what's the latest nick
0: um let's see i know that the DOD seems to have confirmed that there is an unidentified flying object. Um, and just for everybody in the audience that doesn't know what that means, that doesn't mean it's a little green space alien. That just means it's literally what it sounds like an unidentified flying object. So hang on one second. I mean,
3: uh, we've work? got also a okay, we go. uh, breaking for news on here. Breaking for news, can you hear me?
4: Yes, I can hear
3: you. Breaking for news, can you? Hey, man, how are you? Hi, how are you? Uh, you've been covering the story earlier. We've been talking on whether we should start a space or not. What's the latest now that that convinced you like we've got to start a space urgently? What's the latest that you have?
4: So this has obviously been uh, a very important 24 hours. We had two separate unidentified um, objects that have been downed, one off the coast of Alaska uh, Friday afternoon and one about three hours ago in a coordinated effort by the Canadian government and the American military to down a second uh, object over Canada. Now, what we do know about these objects that are different from the balloon project that the um, that's been launched by China, this this investigative um, initiative that they that they've taken on is that these objects are Quote, small cylindrical objects. They are at a much lower altitude than the balloons. The balloons travel at about 60 to 65, um, thousand feet. These objects are at 40,000 feet and that they were down because they presented, quote, a threat to civilian aircraft. Now, additionally, what's going on at this moment is a very complex and fast moving situation, right? About two hours, a- two hours ago, excuse me, we had the FAA first we heard unconfirmed reports that fighter jets F15s had been scrambled from Washington and Washington state and from Oregon we've since confirmed that information and shortly thereafter the FAA issued issued a NOTAM uh, for this restricted airspace over I, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly Havre Montana now it's a 50 by 50 nautical mile space and it has been lifted as of five minutes ago. Immediately after, we heard from a representative. His name is Matt Rosendale, and I'm going to read to you his statement. He wrote, I am in direct contact with NORCOM and am monitoring the latest issue over Havre and the northern border. Havre is very close to Canada, by the way. The airspace is closed due to an object that could interfere with commercial air traffic. Now, this is the interesting part. He says the DOD will reserve... Resume efforts to observe on the gr- and ground the object in the morning. So at this point, they've lifted this urgent no tam issue, and they are going to revisit the situation tomorrow morning. So we don't really know what that means, what's going on, uh, why it's not urgent enough to interfere with it right now. But he says it is posing uh, a threat to commercial air traffic. So. We don't understand why right now they're pausing this operation. Yeah,
0: we do know that they have, they are still diverting aircraft that were on approach to uh, Billings International Airport there in Montana. That is still ongoing. Uh, We're not exactly sure why, but the fact that the DOD has confirmed the presence of an unidentified flying object should be pretty significant, should it not, Intel? And
5: tell uh, you got yeah.
6: It. Um, yeah, the the the, the story just being, uh, you know, obviously everyone here, Rob, and uh, breaking uh, probably might get the gun on some of it before I, I do, but yeah, th- this whole thing's just been weird. Uh, they, the the original NOTAM Tam didn't really have uh, the full coordinates, and then they updated the No Tam with uh, specific coordinates uh, for 100 nautical miles uh, of the center of the what that coordinate grid was, and then they just literally pulled it like five minutes ago. Uh, but they're saying that they're going to resume operations in the morning. Uh, that's just weird. What do we know about that? But then so- and then the, the F-15s that were scrambled, I'll, I'll check... Uh, See if there's any update on that, but I don't think the F-15s have returned, like turned around yet. So I'm not really sure what's yeah, going. Yeah,
0: well, to. we also know that they sent out KC-135 Stratotankers, and I, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with those. And we are trying to bring more uh, military folks in here as well that can probably give us a little bit more insight on this. But it does seem seem that one of those Stratotankers was circling the area where that that TFR was actually in place. That that. Uh, National Defense Airspace was declared by the FAA. So what would that tell you? They're used to typically refuel uh, military aircraft such as fighter jets, correct?
6: Uh, Yeah, and they can also refuel uh, drones uh, as well. Um, It looks like the strato tanker is leaving the area, uh, going west.
0: uh, So. Yeah. But well, what would it tell you? Actually, let's, let's go to breaking four first, because he seems to have his hand up.
4: Let's get an update from you. Go ahead, breaking. I, I just wanted to make the point really quickly about uh, how, how we found out about these two objects, right? It wasn't forthcoming from the administration. It was uh, the end of a press briefing that occurred yesterday. And John Kirby um was kind of wrapping up his statements and he got a question from the press and it was sort of like is something going on in in alaska and, and let's and be clear john Kirby is the press secretary for the pentagon so mm-hmm. go ahead he uh he's no longer the pentagon press secretary oh. he's actually moved to the white house <laughs> as a uh, an additional resource i'm going to find his exact position but it's been a recent switch um but basically he then pulled out this this pre-written statement and said uh yes now that you're asking me about this i'll kind of tell you that at 145 we kind of just shot down something so it's a little weird it's a little suspicious that that's going on and i'm just gonna make that point of how this all unfolded we don't know if the administration would have been forthcoming if they weren't asked about it we have no idea we we tried to contact our sources and we didn't get back in time for this space um but an additional piece of information from cnn shows that the pilots of the jets were conflicting and some of them reported that it interfered with their sensors, these objects. Some of them said that they had no identifiable uh, propulsion of the object and couldn't explain how it was staying in the air. So something is, is certainly occurring and we don't know, obviously, if this third situation that has been put on pause over Montana is related, but it definitely seems that all three of these incidences are connected given the time frame, and uh, but, but they are being clearly separated at this point from all officials, both military and, and Biden administration um, from the Chinese balloon program and the balloon that was shot down last week. Got
0: it. All right. So, so, okay,
2: Aaron, jump in. I'll let you jump in first and I'll go to Intel. The uh, 50 by 50 mile uh, airspace, what do we know about what's below that? What do we know, you know, where is that in relation to the nuclear silos around billings or where is that in relation to the location of the uh, Chinese balloon? Uh, I'm, I'm about to
0: actually post that in the, uh, in the in the pinned tweet there, but if Breaking knows the, the information on that or if Intel knows, then hopefully we can get an answer from them.
6: Yeah. So in relation to, uh, the, the nuke side of the question, I did make a tweet, uh, on that. Uh, so the closest, uh, nukes would be approximately, uh, between 90 and 131 miles west, Southwest and South of the no Tam. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of far, but at the same time, I mean, pretty close. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the fields, uh, the, the missile silo fields of Montana, uh, the extreme outer edge of that is between uh, 90 and 131 miles. In terms of what's directly below uh, this town, I would have to take a few minutes to look around.
1: Do we know anything <laughs> about
2: directionality of movement of this object? Presumably it didn't fall from outer space into that 50-mile radius so 90 to 130 miles doesn't seem terribly far from a, a critical site if the thing is is moving when we intercepted it yeah Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: i want to go upward uh just quickly uh, nick i'll let you i'll let you come up with tweets and and they'll do a bit of work in the back and i'll take over for a bit upwards uh, first time you're on stage anything to add before i ask a few questions upward news
7: Sure. Yes. Yeah. So the sen- Senator John Tester just tweeted, I am aware of the object in Montana airspace and remain in close contact with senior DOD and administration officials. I'm closely monitoring the situation and re- am receiving regular updates. I'll continue to demand answers for the American public. So it seems like the senator himself isn't exactly sure of what is going on, but it is nice to see that uh, some Montana officials are recognizing the situation and the seriousness of
3: it. So just to get a good understanding and overview of everything, uh, Raw's Alerts, Breaking 4 News. You guys, uh, by the way, I appreciate that. and Thanks for joining us on stage. Just followed you as well. Uh, Joa, you're a regular on stage. That's so why I sent you through the invite. If you've got any updates at all, uh, please do unmute and add them. Otherwise, just give an overview for the audience. Raw's Alerts, Breaking 4 News. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong because there's just too many flying objects. I'm, I'm losing track. So we got the first one that started a few weeks ago that was shot down in the U.S., and that was the first balloon, and that was shot down. Then we had another one shot down in Alaska. It wasn't a balloon, but it was an unidentified object. That was a couple of days ago. And now we have one in Canada that was shot down, and another one spotted again in Alaska. Did I get that right? Is there four in total? One balloon and three unidentified objects? Rosalis you want to take that one?
8: Um, yes, I would say that is mostly correct. Um, this current one is currently unknown. It could be a... a... UFO or a known object, or it could be another Chinese spy balloon we don 't really know yet, but what you said so far is so far correct, so what-,
3: what do we know about so what do we know about the so we know about the first one was a balloon we know a lot about this we have videos, we have photos, and that was all over the news, and I think we did a space about it yeah then we had then we had the second one in Alaska. when was that exactly? do you remember uh, that was a
8: few days ago, and they were reporting the um, Known object was silverish and cylindrical with like a a size of a small car, so that was shot down. And then today they just shot another unknown object over Alaska, or not over Alaska, but in the Canada area. So, yes, just nuts so far.
3: Okay. And I want to go quickly to, uh, I've just got Avgi here and I know breaking for news. You wanted to add anything to what Rosa Luss mentioned before I go to Avgi, who's, uh, I hope I'm spelling out the name, I'm pronouncing the name correctly, who's an uh, air traffic controller. Yeah. Ahead, uh, let,
0: let me ask you real quick, Jake, because you were tweeting about earlier that there were F-15s that were possibly scrambled out of Seattle. Uh, and then you also mentioned those as we, we actually mentioned like a few minutes ago here about KC-135 Stratotankers. Uh, that seemed to be making their way toward Montana. Do we know where those F15s went? Could they have possibly gone to that area? Yeah, so Jake, the well, uh, that, that, that was for that was for, was. that was for Jake, actually.
3: You mean Rose Alerts or who exactly who was who's him? No, I, I was trying to go to, to
0: AV Geek Jake.
3: Oh, Jake. Oh, hey, oh shit, yeah, air traffic so controller Jake. Hey, Jake, says- yes. how are you man?
9: Yes, I'm good. How are you doing?
3: Good, man. Good, good. Yeah, sorry. Not sure if you heard Nick's question.
9: uh, Yeah, no, I did. So the uh, question was the F-15s, where were they scrambled out of? So those were out of uh, Portland Air National Guard Base, part of the Oregon Air National Guard, uh, co-located at uh, Portland International Airport. So those came out of there and they were on a scrambled northbound heading, which typically indicates that, um, I mean, I don't know if you remember a few years ago when the plane out of Seattle was hijacked. um, They came out of, they came out of there. Um, I'm not sure if I'm actually going through right now. Um,
3: uh, did we... Uh, you're he, dropping he out. Yeah, out yeah I think he's dropping out, Jake. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just get the team to DM him and let him know that he dropped out. Um, yeah. I wanted to go quickly before you ask a question, Jake. Uh, to... Jake, are you back with us? Hey, yeah. Can you
9: guys Yeah, he
3: just muted. Breaking... Yeah, yeah, you're back now. I think you're choppy. I think you're on the way. You're in a car or something.
9: Yes, I am, and that's a wonderful uh, part of the Pacific Northwest, isn't it? Um, so, anyways, those uh, those oh, on, okay. came, out of, uh, came out of Portland, and they were in a northbound track scramble, which is basically, I don't know if you guys remember that plane that was uh, hijacked out of Seattle a few years ago that was the same heading, so we were led to believe that there was something over Seattle, um, especially since um, reports on the ground indicated they scrambled with AIM-9 and AIM-120 missiles. Um, and then... About 30 minutes after that, we noticed KC-135s out of Fairchild were scrambled, and they were on a southwestbound heading towards uh, the Portland area, and then they turned eastbound towards uh, where this area where the NOTAM and the TFR was over Montana.
3: Nick, did you have any further questions for Jake? Nope, I'm doing background stuff, so, up so some... hang tight. for me right uh, I'm bringing, um, me too, man, me too. We've got a lot of, we got a captain here that's going to be joining us, so let me just send him an invite. Uh, Burns, uh, jet. so all the breaking news guys on stage, feel free to jump in anytime if you've got any updates. By the way, I think this is your first time on stage. Upward news, if there's breaking news, just feel free to jump in. Uh, I want to go back. Catherine's with us as well, and I've sent you an invite for for Captain Osint. I've sent you through an invite um as a commercial pli- pilot. I'd love your your thoughts. Uh, on the ufos that we're seeing and why the airspace was closed in your opinion so i've just sent you through an invite to come up okay. uh, i do want to go quickly to breaking to, to rules alerts and breaking for news guys just to go back the, the back and forth we we're having earlier um again nick if you got breaking news just jump in um so the, i oh we we talked about the chinese balloon we talked about the ufo in alaska then what we can you tell us ex- exactly what we saw today initially we saw and we got captain here uh captain osint on stage i'll give you the mic in a bit captain but i want to go to breaking for news. Um, uh, question there, man. What we saw now is an, a UFO was shot down in Canada, and that was by a, a, a US jet, and that went over Alaska, and now we're seeing yet another UFO. Is Am I on the right track? Because I, I got woken up for this shit.
4: Yes. Yeah, you are on the right track. They, Jesus. Um, sorry, Roz.
8: No, no, you're, you're good. Uh, yes, you are correct. So um, today, Alaska, well, not Alaska. Alaska was a couple of days ago. Um, today, um, NORAD from Canada shot down a, un, uh, UFO. I just call a UFO. Um, and then today we're dealing with this situation. So it's kind of nuts in my opinion.
3: Okay. So the one that was shot down in Canada was shot down by the Canadian Air Force. NORAD. No, right. uh,
0: no, they were, it was shot
8: down
10: by the U.S. Uh, uh, Air Force.
3: Yeah.
8: By the U.S. Air Force. Uh, F-22, I think. Yes. Okay. This and there then reason the, the, why
5: three...
8: the
11: U.S. shot it?
0: Sorry, Catherine? Okay. I, I,
8: I can oh, answer just, that question. I'm just
11: wondering... Uh,
0: yeah. the, the, the U.S. Air Force, the F-22... It, it,
7: it was NORAD, so it was a U.S. Uh, Air Force fighter jet, an F-22, so U.S. patrols as well up there. Right.
0: Uh, uh, but let, let me finish that point real quick here. The The U.S. Air Force shot down the unidentified flying object because the U.S.... And correct me if I'm wrong here, but the U.S. government are the only ones that have F-22s, which, you know, are, are extremely capable fighter jets. They've been used to shoot down every other object in the past week here. Uh, and so that would be a good reason that the U.S. would have been the ones to shoot down the, the flying object with permission from the Canadian government. So yeah, you're right. The,
12: it uh, has US to do is the with only, the altitude. Only
0: government with uh,
9: F-22s active, but the F-22s necessarily didn't need to be scrambled necessarily because they're in Canadian airspace. The reason the U.S. shot it down was because they were the closest ones to it. Um, Canada's closest scramble unit is just north of Vancouver, and this is shot down over the Yukon. So, and those would have been out of uh, Anchorage, Alaska, for the F-22s. All right,
3: guys, just quickly, if you it's want, it's also not uh,
4: worthy uh, to. Uh,
3: yeah, jump in. Before you jump in, man, I want, and before I go to Captain, uh, anyone that's requesting to speak, please do DM us on why you want to request. There's too many requests coming in. Obviously, this we're up to almost 10,000 listeners, so it's hard. It starts to glitch out. Who was just speaking? Was that you breaking for news?
4: Yeah, I was just going to say it's notable to point out that I think um, the U.S.-Canada effort and coordination was uh, was initiated because this – Third object that was shot down just a few hours ago over Canadian airspace originally was over Alaska and monitored by the U.S. So it was in coordination along with what people are discussing, which is our military capabilities are uh, significantly more advanced than that of Canada. So we do often train together and do uh, operations together. I also want to point out before we go to the next speaker that um, Fox News is reporting that this is the first time in U.S. history, this meaning the the three incidences of objects and balloons being shot down in U.S. territory, uh, that the aircraft have been used to shoot down objects over North America since Pearl Harbor. So for those who are saying we don't know what this is, this kind of situation, it is it has been an incredibly significant week militarily of the types of stuff that we're seeing. It's a significant escalation, whatever is Causing this, obviously, we have to at this point still separate the Chinese spy balloon program and the balloon that we took down last week with these three incidences that have occurred—the two shootdowns uh, over Alaska and Canada as well as this potential third object being monitored over Montana.
3: So would you have a few people from the military coming in. Piotr, I just sent you a DM if you can quickly check it. Austin's on stage. Nick, do you have any anything to add and any questions for Captain Austin to have brought up?
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Captain, I'll ask you a question here real quick. Uh, why would the U.S.
8: Oh, sorry, just to jump in real quick. Uh, Billings Logan Interna- uh, International Airport and Harvey City in Montana have just uh, reopened in coming the commercial flights. So, it seems like they're open now. Uh,
0: well, the reason for that seems to be and I, this is this is merely speculation at this point, but the fact that the US government, the Department of Defense has confirmed the fact that there is an unidentified flying object over Montana and that they're going to quote resume operations in the morning when it comes to that does seem to confirm that they might be allowing this object to take a similar track to the balloon, no?
8: That's a good question. I, I would. I don't know. Um,
0: that's a really good question.
8: Well, we'll bring, we'll, we'll bring just just quickly, here uh, it.
0: Just oh, quickly. go ahead, Mario. Yeah, yeah.
3: Before uh, Captain, be, before you go, Captain, to answer this question, breaking, breaking for news. If you don't, I, I forgot your, your docs. So, so Mateus, if you can send me through the Fox. Um, article or the Fox report that you just mentioned earlier, please. That would be great. If you can just DM it to me on WhatsApp, that would be great. Um, Captain, go ahead. And we do have Piotr and on stage as well. Uh, uh, we, uh, let, me, uh, let me just say
0: real quick, uh, we're, we're going to have a lot of questions here throughout the night, but I want the audience to ask a lot of questions as well. Go hit that uh, that purple button there in the bottom right-hand corner, and we'll try to get around a little bit, try to get to as many questions as we can from the audience for our, our expert panel here. So go ahead, Captain. Alright, good uh,
13: evening. Yeah, I'm a uh... Active, current. I'm actually out on the road, road working right now. Uh, pilot. I won't really talk about who or what I fly, but I do active in the airspace up to flight level four five zero. Also in the Air Force as a part timer, doing some things. Uh, first question, just a housekeeping question. Uh, somebody talked about the F twenty two in the United States. It is actually, uh, the United States banned the sell and export of the F twenty two. We are the only country operating F-22s, period, dot, and that will remain that way forever, unlike the F-35, which is a joint uh, fighter that uh, was sold to some uh, other countries as well. Um, But the F-22 is and will remain um, a U.S. asset only. Um, Another question that I heard, and it was, why did they choose the F-22 to shoot down this uh, unidentified object? Well, I think it goes with the fact that we've already done it two times successful before, um, they've they've debriefed these things and they they develop tactics in writing. Obviously, those documents will remain classified for a long time. So I think that that's why also the F twenty two was chosen as the asset to uh, engage whatever this was. I, I'm not gonna speculate of a UFO or a balloon or whatever, but it was something that they didn't want flying, and so they decided to implement weapons. So that's that should kind of raise eyebrows in and of itself so again i think the reason the f-22 was chosen to shoot down this uh, object in the yukon was because hey we've already done it and we've proven that it can be done You, you run a risk of using a new asset that wasn't proven right you know our first time that we engaged that object was over the atlantic ocean whether it be six miles offshore and it worked we know that the aim 9x was able to pick up and track these objects um if it was a balloon uh Whatever it was, it worked. So they were like, hey, we know that this works. Let's do it again because we got to get rid of whatever this was. So, um, tracking, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You, you finish your point. Um, tracking the object over Montana. Um, that really, from my line of work, that's really interesting to me because there's no uh, aviation information posted in a NOTAM or anything for any other aircraft to uh, transit that area. That is a highly saturated route going from East Coast to West Coast and vice versa, especially going into Seattle, New York, and stuff like that. So I'm really surprised that they reopened it. Another thing is I'd be curious to know how was this ob- object identified? Was it identified by a passing airliner or corporate aircraft? Um, did somebody lay eyes on it? Because when they scrambled, I do believe there was still some daylight left, and they could have uh, put eyes on it. And then also when they dropped this notum. You know they scrambled the fighters out to there the F-15s, which is again is a capable platform. It can go up to the higher altitudes. It can't exactly go to the F-22s altitudes, but it's pretty darn close. And if this, especially with this NOTAM being uh, 34,000 feet, that leads me to believe that whatever this was was totally within the range of the F-15 and capability. So they reopened that. They dropped this NOTAM, and then they're allowing the aircraft to go in and out of that area. It makes me wonder. Uh, okay, did it just dis- up and? Uh, I'm, I'm going to sound crazy here, but did it up and disappear? Did they go out there and find nothing? And something else, guys, we got to keep in mind: we're all human beings. Was this uh, was this a false ID? Was this somebody saying that they think they see something and called in, and then it got passed up the chain of command in NORAD Did NORAD make a radar, lo- a primary radar target on this object? You know, these are all que- these are all great questions well, that we got. Well, to Captain, would they call this an
0: unidentified flying object if they didn't know that an object was there at this point? Because they did say they were going to resume the operation in the morning. Right, but but to answer your question, why is the why was the Notum taken down? I don't know why, why the Notum could... was taken why down. I don't that? know why we let the, the balloon go across the United States in the first place. So, you know, it, it... well,
13: so yeah, you, that, and that's a great point. And the thing I'll say about that was that object that they shot down over South Carolina. I mean, that was huge, man. It was the size of a ERJ one seventy airliner. I mean, we're talking three city school buses. We can't just. I agree, and I know that people will say, "Oh, that's." It could have been shot down over Montana, sparsely populated area. But what if they did shoot it down over Montana and it did hit someone? And then we got all kinds of catastrophe. Also, I think that the reason they shot it down over the water was there was more chance to recover something
5: mm-hmm.
13: over the water. Right. Uh, as opposed to it careening into the granite ground at uh, terminal velocity.
0: Right. All right. So so awesome. I know you're you are very into OSINT. You're very experienced with this. So I do want to ask you as well. What do you think we're looking at here? Do you think that the Department of Defense actually doesn't know what they're looking at? They don't know what they're shooting down?
14: Uh, So in a lot of cases like this, you do, I mean, you're primarily picking this up on radar first, and then you're looking for some sort of visual confirmation to get exactly what you're looking at. I actually wanted to comment on the previous sort of thread talking about our coordination with the Canadians, with NORAD. So, I mean, NORAD's been in existence uh, since the Cold War, and we routinely conduct, you know, joint missions for for air defense purposes. Um, in regards to, I completely agree with Captain on the choice of the F twenty two for this mission, and just because, like, there with similar missions being done successfully, it makes sense. But I think also a larger point here is just really simple logistics. If you look at the uh, the disposition of um, CFB Canadian Force bases and where their uh, their interceptor aircraft are based out of. Um, this interception was conducted in the Yukon, and the closest base to the closest Canadian forces base to that would be in Cold Lake, um, down in uh, I believe it's Alberta or Manitoba. Um, whereas the the U.S. Air Force operates multiple bases out of Alaska that are just closer; they're easier to get to. It makes sense that you know this was a joint op, and it also just makes sense for expediency that the uh, the U.S. Air Force was the one to do it over the Canadians.
0: Uh, okay, and 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 so uh, Catherine.
3: Uh, I know that you before just Nick. Just to give you a quick quick update before we go to Catherine. Also, so we got Piotr here and Adam as well. I brought up Adam for you. We do have just for anyone listening, Jake, who is a, the, the, the air traffic controller. He'll be coming back up because uh, he's driving at the moment. In a few minutes, we'll be bringing him back up. We do have a few military officials as well, and um, that we're chatting to to uh, and ex military officials that will be coming up shortly as well. Nick, just thought I'd update you in the meantime. But go ahead, awesome, uh,
0: Catherine. I just want to bring you in here real quick because uh, he Austin did mention how. Uh, the Canadian government was, was involved with this and uh, talking about why the U.S. would actually come in and do this rather than the Canadian government. That's been a huge question that I have gotten because I've been keeping updates on my, on my Twitter all day long on this. Uh, that's probably one of the most popular questions. Why would, uh, or, or did the Canadian government, did Justin Trudeau ask for this to be done in, in Canadian airspace?
15: Yes. Did. Uh,
0: uh, that, for Catherine. Well, yeah, well, he mean, did though, Nick. It's a well
15: question. Yes, he did. He
0: okay. Did. Well, I'm sure That's she's got cool. well, more to say, Peel. So let's let Catherine go. Go ahead, Peel, or go ahead, Catherine.
11: <laughs> okay. Okay, well, sure. I mean, sure. Pewter, I guess, is is correct. He he did, but I mean, the cooperation between the U.S. and Canada is strong. But what I did find sort of interesting, and and I guess that was part of my question to to some of the people that we have on stage who have some expertise in this, is that it didn't take long for for this to happen, right? So um, compared to what it was, it seemed like a much more decisive action compared to what was going on with the sort of the, be- the balloon in the. U.S. West so I I find that kind of curious uh, that this happened as soon as it sort of reached Canada it was a very quick decisive action and also you know the balloon is being labeled as a balloon whereas this is being labeled a UFO so is, that, is it because they don't know what it is or they don't want to announce what it is so I find that those are kind of interesting questions is it because the US sort of already learned what actions they want to take you know in the first get-go and they've already decided with the Canadian counterparts what they would do in that situation Situation. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Captain um, Ozint? I guess, or, or Nick, if you think there's a more appropriate person uh, uh, what, to let's,
0: ask. Let's, uh, let's let Piel jump in first.
15: Piel. um Well, look. I mean. The Canadians have a joint agreement with the US Air Force to defend their airspace, so it's not surprising at all that the Canadian government have asked the Americans to come in on this matter. Um, Moreover, this has happened already three times in the past week, so it's more than likely Biden's Defence Department um, and the Canadians have already been in touch about these things. So um, the fanfare around the questions as to why the Americans got involved is, is unnecessary. It's creating unnecessary Uh, fandom when there isn't really anything to be that surprised about. I am more concerned by the lack of uh, public communication about what this thing is. Um, I thought the other event yesterday, whenever it was Friday afternoon morning, was a balloon. But then after reading some of the reports about its size, description and the fact that at the altitude by which it was Shot down at forty what thousand feet? This is beyond the size of conventional weather balloons, at least as we know them, to be able to float up, um, as, at least at the size of a car. So this is quite clearly a uh, another I don't know uh, object thing entity. Um, what it heats Now, just for FYI for the audience, um, I still think that this is most likely related to the Chinese. I don't see that why the Russians would be doing this. The Iranians don't have capabilities. Why would the Japanese or the South Koreans be doing this? So it really only speaks, and the North Koreans, I'm not aware of anything, they have the capacity for this. So for me, it's really only a Chinese uh Thing of origin, the Americans
3: yeah. would not be doing this in some kind of weird. quick question. before I go to All Source, who's been with us and Adam as well, I've got a question for you because you've been covering the, 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 the China US tensions for a while. You're an expert in the field. Um, how major is this? And Fox, I, do, I did want to tweet something. By the way, anyone, anyone listening, All Source, sorry, Breaking for News sent me through um, an image um, of of uh, apparent image of the UFO. I've just tweeted it on my profile. If Wait, you profile see it. it's it? nothing too exciting. Uh, sorry, I think you
16: posted a picture of the UFO that they've. Well, let's not call it a UFO, let's call it uh, I an mean, aerial a, object or so, whatever.
3: Yeah. yeah, 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 but it's nothing special, just uh, for the, a heads up. Um, it's, it's a pretty shitty it photo. Like Actually, I'll, I'll Do, delete it, a little it little for a better photo. That,
4: that photo just went out, um, about 10 minutes ago, purportedly being someone's uh, brother capturing the photo. Additional resources like CNN and Reuters are reaching out to confirm. The photos' location and authenticity, and once that's done, we'll we'll give some more information about what it is. But it shows two white lights in the sky. It's not very clear at all what, what's going on at, at this point. Uh,
8: planets or stars, a little bit, but I could be wrong.
4: I say that again, man.
8: It looks like uh, planets or stars, a little bit. Like but I could be something. wrong. It could... Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: So so we're gonna we're, we're gonna work on confirming that here, but.
3: Uh yeah. Uh, I do I do want to go quickly if you don't mind Nick. All source you've been with us as well since the early days. So after Piotr answers uh, the question, uh, I do want to go to you on, as well. Um, so Piotr. Mario, you yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's the question I have for you, Piotr, is uh, how serious is this? And I do want to refer to a quote that Fox News um and I think um uh, all source also breaking for news or Rosalow sent me this. Uh, Fox quotes the following, and I'm going to read it out. This is the first time in U.S. history that aircrafts have been shot down over North America since Pearl Harbor. Um, So we'd love to get your thoughts on this, uh, Piotr.
15: Well, we have no confirmation. Okay, number one, Fox is an entertainment news source, not a verified news network. Uh, Fun fact. So they're going to be slightly sensationalist when they portray the information. Second, this is no confirmation this is an aircraft. It's just a orbiting object. Therefore, we don't necessarily mean if this was an actual aircraft, so a Chinese aerial like thing that was going up against an F-22 Raptor or whatever it was that shot it down, that's a significant cause for concern. I don't have significant cause for concern because the Americans have decided that we're going to let this thing bob around over U.S. airspace overnight. So um, what I encourage everybody to do is follow this and but keep it in a sense of perspective. What happened last week was that half the fandom that came around this thing was the media itself building up this um, hysteria and stuff because we are very well aware of the concerns between China and Russia, China and America. Tensions are high, but this does not mean suddenly that the Chinese are going to be launching air aerial invasions into american airspace with paratroopers coming down over montana wow, okay the well that, 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 this is all speculation here this before, is all speculation so i so, think we I, need I, to I, just keep a sense okay
0: I, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and go to all source here because all source i do want to ask you why are the chinese or why is the u.s government not placing blame on the chinese at this point we haven't gotten that for uh, since the first balloon that flew over right
3: and by the way, uh, Nick, just FYI, I did bring up Igor, um, who's been on the, the producer behind Ukraine on Fire, who's been on the show before. So I'll just give you a heads up that I've just brought him up as well. Okay. Uh, go ahead, also. Yeah,
12: so look, I think one of the things that we have to acknowledge is, and I'll, I'm going to bring up two points one about your question, Nick, right now, and then the second one about the U.S. Canadian, right? Why did the U.S. do that? So, one, look. The, the term, and I think to Ian's point, right, what do we call this, UFOs? Like the, the term the DOD utilizes is unknown, uh, unman- or I think is unknown aerial phenomenon, UAPs, right, for everybody else's UFOs. Like those have been occurring for a very long, 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 long time. I think what happened is, is because of the Chinese spy balloon, there has been a decision, a lesson learned within the Defense Department in this administration, which would probably carry on, that now from now on, any UAP that violates U.S. airspace will be shot down. Period. Done. Because of the, the pu- public pa- uh, pushback of what happened with the Chinese spy balloon. But now I think this is a, a new um, standard that they're going to apply and saying we are going to defend our, ter- our our airspace and our territory. But UAPs uh, are are not new and sightings of UAPs within even the Defense Department are nothing new. It's the response and more importantly, I think the public statement that we have from U.S. and Canadian officials publicly stating this because, again, the one in Alaska and Canada, we wouldn't have known about unless it was because of U.S. government and and Canadian
3: government. And and also, I'll read read this out to support what you said. Montana, someone just sent me this from the team. Montana is home to some of the most significant, well-documented, and interesting UFO reports in the history of, of ufology.
12: Yeah. So the, I think that's something new. Like I think in the past, you know, anything that was a UFO, UAP, we were just kind of hush, hush, shh, shh, don't talk about it. And now the administration said, yeah, we're going to be publicly saying. And I think why they are not placing blame is because they just don't know. And I think they don't want to cause a diplomatic incident without having further information of what's going on. You know, this can be a million of things. I mean, I think there's also notions like. This could have been a, just a commercial entity, and this thing has just floated around, and nobody really knows. And the you know NORAD detected. It's like, all right, we're going to shoot it down, right? And maybe there's going to be new regulations to control it, right? One of the explosions we've seen in the last ten years and five years really is just the commercialization of drones, and how a lot of private citizens are also going into space. I mean, we've all seen the YouTube videos of just normal citizens that ten, twenty, thirty years ago would have been absolutely insane and just become more and more and more prevalent. So, again, I think that's why we just have to step back. Now, uh, uh, Nick, to your question about the U.S.-Canadian, right? So I, what's very important, and I think Austin hit this, right? So the commander of NORAD is dual-hatted as also the commander of U.S. NORTHCOM, right? U.S. Northern Command is also the commander of NORAD. NORAD, as, as, as everybody knows, has a is a bilateral agreement between the U.S. and Canada saying, we are here committed to defend each other's airspace no matter what, Right. What I think people need to understand and recognize is that U.S. military relations with what the term is we use is called the five-eye partners, five-eyes, that is U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia, New Zealand. From a, Even from a military standpoint, that's just in talking about intelligence, but from a military standpoint, we are very integrated, right? And it's very common. For U.S. military officials, especially in commands and, and in command headquarters, to have as their superior officer a British, a Canadian, Australian, or New Zealand military officer that serves in your immediate chain of command, right? There is a deep level of integration between uh, U.S. and Canadian, U.S., U.K., and all those 5 eye partners very integrated, right? And if you talk about NORAD, the, the, you know, we have 50-plus years of integration in the defensive airspace. I believe the deputy commander of NORAD, right, the second in command, I believe is always a Canadian, right? The first is a U.S. And then the second is a Canadian officer, right? So people need to acknowledge that in many incidents in military terms, when we're talking about Canada, the U.K. and U.S., Australia, New Zealand, there's such a deep integration that, and it's only going to get more and more and more integrated, right? That That is in many ways that we all operate very similar, even more so than the term I think we all use to, to NATO. So I think that is why the Canadians, and I think Austin brought up a good point, hey, the Twenty two s that have Alaska were closer. They're going to intercept it if there's a threat to the U S. and it goes into Canadian airspace first. The Canadians are going to shoot it down because in NORAD we share a lot of information with the Canadian U S. That is it's a single command with both militaries and our Defense Department and their Ministry of Defense just talked extensively together.
0: Okay, yeah. So, so let me let me let me ask Adam a question real quick. And all source, I'm going to bring you back in about 15 times here in the next half hour, but. Adam, I, I want.
12: Oh, Nick, I just. I, I told. I told Mario, I'm gonna be. Um, yeah. Oh, good. I'll DM him. I'll DM him. Oh, yeah, good, bro. I'm a party, all good, all but good. I'll be in
3: Perfect. Oh, good, man. I'll. I'll let him know. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah.
12: yeah. Uh, Adam, I want to know a little bit about
0: because you are. Uh, you're a, a Marine Corps veteran, uh, and you have worked for various government agencies as well. Why do you think the U.S. is being so quiet about these these aircrafts, these unidentified aircrafts? Do we not really know what's going on here why are we not blaming the chinese well
10: uh to uh hold on the microphone's not working there it is uh to the point of somebody brought up earlier is that you don't want to uh force a diplomatic incident when you don't need to have one right you know these uh it's not like these uh like the balloon for example that you know we we were tracking for uh, those several days that was shot down outside of myrtle beach south carolina was uh, having markings that said, you know, this is a property of uh, the Chinese government. You know, it wasn't where they have markings necessarily on it. So like when you start seeing these, especially if these are spy balloons, they they're not going to be announced uh, of whose possession they belong to. What are they doing? And so it requires investigation. Um, but, you know, I, I really want to point uh, to something else that was brought up earlier, which was uh, the frequency of these things being detected now. And I'm going to throw up in the jumbo tron real quick, but Alex Horton with, uh, uh, Washington Post actually brought up, uh, uh, wrote something about this today about how, um, you know, it's believed that, uh, uh, NORAD has changed the, uh, their methodology when it comes to detecting objects in, uh, in the air where they've actually basically are going after anything that's the shape, the size of a Volkswagen basically. And so that's really kind of a, a change in things. So, you know, when you're looking at, uh, observing the airspace or observing anything using electronic means, right? You have various criteria that help filter the noise. And um, so, you know, one of the things that was heavily discussed with the first balloon that we saw uh, was the fact that it wasn't really detected or supposedly wasn't detected until it reached uh, uh, continental US airspace. Well, you know, that might have been a function of, uh, the, the people actually observing, uh, assigned to observe this actually actively filtering out objects at that elevation of that size, etc. cetera. So, you know, I think that there's a huge, uh, defense posture change,
0: uh, to another person's, uh, point earlier. Yeah. Uh, Igor, uh, I'll welcome you back real quick and then I definitely want to go to Austin, but Igor, what are your thoughts on the situation? And I'm sure I'll have some follow ups for you. Yeah.
17: Uh, the festival. That uh, you know we have an uh, ongoing active military action in Europe, and that balloon situation I I believe triggered our uh, level of attentions from uh, unidentified objects flying in United States airspace, and after that that change in the posture plus uh, the, the you know uh, the media. And a greed of some kind of sensationalism and that's all together producing this kind of effect. This is my, this is my vision on this. Nothing more, nothing else. And, uh, it's, I just want to point one thing. during, uh, Caribbean, uh, missile crisis, crisis that was, uh, spotting a lot of UFO flying over our, uh, fields with, uh, ICBM. So we cannot rule this out.
3: I do want to add one thing to what Igor said. So, Joa Santos, who was on stage earlier, who's a regular on the stage, he sent me an NPR.org uh, article. Um, and there's an increasing number of UFOs throughout 2022. So, I haven't read the article, but this is the heading by NPR. The Pentagon got hundreds of new reports of UFOs in 2022. Government report says, which is well above yes, Mario, average. So I just wanted to mention let's that. Let's look
17: completely understandable if somebody watching us and if that entities have uh, higher conscience than ours. So they will be very worried now because we inch into the uh, thermonuclear world war three. That is why, if that's really you for trying to intervene, uh, so we're in a good hands. But I believe, Sorry, I believe just... in media. I believe media explanation. Sorry,
3: Thanks, so go, go ahead, Rosalit. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Rosalit.
8: From a you know fighter just on investigated a radar anomaly over North Montana, but nothing was found. North says. Uh, well, so
3: that's an interesting development. Based on hold fact- on, hold on, breaking breaking phone news. Do you want to add on that development because I know you were trying to speak as well.
4: No, that's uh, basically what we're learning at this point. Was that given the height, the heightened sensitivity surrounding these two? Um, these two objects being shot down, this appears to have been a false alarm that NORAD detected a radar anomaly sent fighter aircraft to investigate did not identify any object and will continue to monitor the situation which does uh, which does line up with what the earlier congressmen and senators were saying that the investigation will continue tomorrow morning during daylight but clearly doesn't pose a significant enough threat to act right now and that nothing specific was found right so it's it's a big uh, announcement and just shows how highly sensitive we are at this point given the situation that occurred last week with the, with the balloon program as well as the two incidences off our western coast okay
0: well let me let me go to to all source on this real quick then because it does seem like the defense department the, the department of defense was referring to this as an unidentified flying object what is their definition of ufo does it mean that, you know, they think they saw something on the radar? There might be something there? Or are we looking at, you know, but because it, it almost seems like at this point there were two conflicting statements, no?
3: Also, you there? No, I think oh. you told me to DM him when, you, when he needs to oh, okay, speak. Gotcha. Let me DM him now. All right, well, I'll uh, to either Justin, or... I'll go to Justin and Captain, man. Yeah, Yeah, Justin and Captain, yeah. jump in, guys.
0: Austin or Captain, I guess.
3: Well, this um, this
13: goes back to what I was saying is uh, when they when they pulled the notum down, and they essentially let that airspace go. I thought that was a little odd. I'm actually watching Flight Radar 24, and there's actually a uh, a WestJet 722. It's a 737 at 35,000 feet. I mean, it's going straight through the area in which they had uh, blocked off or restricted. So I think what we're seeing now is that yeah. hypersensitive yeah. nature of the uh, the DoD and just want to make sure that they want to basically. They don't want to let it happen again, and so I wouldn't say we're knee-jerking, but I would say that they're definitely on a hyper hyper sensitive uh, alert.
18: But but why yeah, at I
0: this just... point would they would they come through and say that we're gonna we're gonna start investigating again in the morning? Clearly, they're not very sure on what they're telling us, right? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I I, I saw a tweet
13: uh, momentarily ago that 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 radar anomaly was. Picked up by a weather radar in that area, um, something was reflecting back. I'm not a specialist at radar returns and signals,
3: but there was yeah. something to be it's...
13: said with that. And, and I saw that tweet about. It. I'll see if I can find it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, we're trying to I... go ahead, Rosalit.
8: Yeah, so I was looking at at my uh, radar drop. Um, it's a CC drop. They use it for tornadoes for debris signatures and. Um, I'll probably post about it on my page shortly or if you can find a post. Um, So there was a giant line of unknown debris going across. So I would think the radar picked up that. So I don't know.
11: What are the odds that that it reached, uh, like that it was discovered actually before it reached Canada, but they've decided to shoot it down in Canada due to various reasons, including maybe you know, positioning. Um, And also, I think there is, we seem to, you know, think that it is Chinese, but is it because we're so diligent now and we know that the previous ones came from China? Could it be something else? Uh,
0: Well, well, just to be clear, Catherine is referring to the object that was shot down over Canada today, not the object that we're talking about in Montana. So,
11: Sorry, yes, the object in Canada. Yeah, as a Canadian, I'm more (laughs) (laughs) hyper-focused. Of course.
0: Sure, sure. Um, okay, so I guess we'll we'll go ahead and toss that to Adam real quick.
10: Um, yeah. So why I I was gonna ask for clarification on the question: Are you asking why they chose to shoot it down over Canada, or?
11: Well, I'm thinking, I'm wondering, because it makes it sound like, the reporting makes it sound as if the object was discovered when it was in Canada, but could it have been flying over the U.S.? They discovered it it, over the U.S. and shot it down in Canada? Catherine,
0: they have confirmed that it did overfly Alaska yesterday, and it was actually identified in U.S. airspace yesterday, even though that we shot down another one of these objects In Alaska yesterday. I brought in,
3: and by the way, Nick, I I I just brought in Jake again, uh, who could probably give us more context on this. He's uh, he's got a good connection now. Uh, I don't. Um, I can't. I can't uh, see him. Yeah, I've just I've just sent him an invite. He just DM'd us. He's ready to come back up. Uh, Austin, go uh, ahead.
0: And I'll say, like, uh, okay. Well, we we just just got something uh, from the Canadian Defense uh, uh, Minister. Uh, It seems that the object shot down over Canadian territory posed reasonable threat to civilian aviation. It's a similar thing that we heard about the one that was shot down in Alaska yesterday. So it gives us hopefully a little bit more context that this object may have been a lot more. Uh, it may have been very similar. Jake, so. uh,
3: Jake is on. Jake is on stage as well, Nick. Yep. I know you had some questions for him. Sure, uh, uh,
0: Jake. All right. So I I don't know if you just heard that. I don't know. Did you listen to the press conference with the, Can- uh, the Canadian Defense Minister by chance?
9: No, I didn't get a chance to okay. for uh, that press conference.
0: All right. Well, well, it does seem that she has not confirmed the altitude that this object was flying at obviously we didn't know the one yesterday was shot that was shot down in alaska was forty thousand feet this one was allowed to overfly alaska for some reason but it, it, it does seem that the description that the dod gave about the object in alaska that they shot down is the same very similar to this one that was in that we just found in canada today and shot down so uh, what, are we, what are we looking at here?
3: And then, and, and Nick, Nick, they're not similar. This question goes to you and breaking, break, and Mateus. This is not similar to the balloon, is it? The description that uh, we have no, so far. No,
4: it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. I just want to clarify. I did watch portions of the Canadian defense uh, speech, and she did confirm that this second object that was downed this afternoon was in fact traveling at around 40,000 feet. Uh the US was more specific saying 40,000 feet. Canada said around 40,000 feet. Um that's one so that we can confirm that information and those similarities as well as the description of the object itself being almost identical to what was downed off the coast of Alaska on Friday afternoon. Um Mario remind me of the second part of your question that you were asking.
3: No, I was just comparing them to the balloon uh, that we, the, the, the balloon that was initially spotted uh, in the US. Do right. they can, the UFOs that were that were shot down in Alaska now in Canada? Uh, they don't fit that description, do they?
4: They certainly don't. I mean, size-wise, these are being compared to the size of a small car. We understand that just the payload of the balloon. Uh, that was down was the size of approximately three buses um, and then the balloon itself was much larger so what, also, what do you difference... uh, uh,
3: think? the question to you and others like from what we know about these ufos because ufo sightings are relatively common for them to be shot down now and, and and that sense of urgency that we have is that the 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 u.s or u.s and canada just being too sensitive after the the chinese balloons or is it you know, because we just don't know what they are. We don't have any clarity. Um, or is there something we don't know? Hey Mario, why, right? I why? know you did a space yeah. earlier on this. Yeah, Mario,
19: why is the Biden administration that promised to be the most transparent administration the United States government's ever had not coming out telling the American people exactly what it is? Why can't we have a president
14: that tells because- us what it is exactly? It's because it's Austin, because you yeah, were jumping in. It's because the DoD is actively working to assess what it is. That's that's the reason no, why. Like, like, no you reason don't think they really know what doing. it hang is? On, they went finish. up there. They, they went up there and no, no, shot no, something down. On, they no, no. didn't know what it was. Yeah. yeah. So so the reason I do, I do, I do no, want nobody to does ask. That. That. Actually, no. I want to. I actually want to pose a question to uh, Captain and Jake here. And I think, uh, at least from where I'm looking at it, the reason that we saw quicker shootdowns of these other two objects, based upon these most recent statements, actually has a lot to do with altitude as well as sort of president being set last week. Right. So the 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 large scale Chinese balloon we saw overfly the country was at around the altitudes that were being reported of 60,000 to 65,000 feet. That's um, far above what you would typically see a commercial airliner cruise at Uh, commercial airliners, to my understanding, typically cruise anywhere from 33,000 to 42, 44,000 feet. And both of these incidents, the, the one over Alaska and the one over the Yukon in Canada, were at those altitudes. So those, to my understanding, would pose a more sort of exigent threat to commercial air traffic.
20: Yeah, the,
13: uh, the 60,000 foot ones are definitely not a threat to civilian aviation. Uh, the highest flying aircrafts, as far as civilian aviation go, are your Gulfstream G650s and global expresses which typically about 51,000 53 thousand feet at the max and that that's that's a very rare occurrence but they are certified to go up there uh, on average you're talking from about 45 down to about 35 is is the high satir- high saturated areas of air traffic so and I, but i think mr cardone is correct in that you know you don't just shoot something you don't you don't know what it is right uh, like me. you wouldn't pull a gun out and shoot a bush that's moving right you know, exact, it comes down to the same thing. So I, I, I think we know what it is, but maybe due to the, uh, and, I, it, and I'm just going to kind of back it, up the DoD on this it, and say that the, due to the remoteness of both of where these things were uh, okay. brought down is communication might be a little. Yeah, we, we do have we but do I, have I, breaking
0: it, news here from Breaking 4, if you want to jump in and kind of give us a, it, it does look like there are a lot of, uh, the government is even uh, <laughs> it's contradicting themselves. If you want to come in uh, breaking for this is kind of big.
4: Yeah, basically what we're what we're seeing right now is conflicting reports from the members of Congress, the lawmakers in Montana, and their reporting based on the briefings they received from officials versus what we're hearing right now, which is that this was a false alarm and the jets were dispatched as a precaution and discovered no uh, No such object to be seen. So someone quoted that, uh, Fox News just hosted, um, one of the congressmen that we were, that we're discussing and he, he confirmed that there was in fact this object that he was being reported, um, on. And now we don't know why they've retracted that statement and put out a clarification saying that, that it was in fact a false alarm. So these stories so, move quickly. So breaking footage, hold video, on. Mario, Mateus, Mario. quick
3: question. Just try to get an understanding. Go ahead, go ahead, I'd like
4: to ask the captain, how many times
19: have you flown commercial above 41,000 feet? Well,
3: before, before we do that,
0: I want to, I want to clarify this, this thing real quick. I, I'm going to read the exact comment here, uh, that a congressman just confirmed on Fox News that he was briefed that an object was confirmed to be over Montana and that the reason for reopening the airspace is because they cannot effectively take it down in the dark. And these reports are conflicting, or some are speculating that it could be, you know, a little bit of a, a cover up. But we're going to work in the background. Hold on, just, just...
3: just the, so essentially, a Congressman just confirmed on Fox that the UF there was a UFO sighting in Montana. Yeah. But the reason that they they, they opened up the airspace, is they just can't shoot That's it correct, down in the yeah. dark.
16: Yeah, in the dark. Yeah, they can probably take out in the morning. I'd like to go to Alex Sears. Uh, he uh, he says that he's got some information on this. Can we can we uh, can we go to him? uh
3: captain captain
16: yeah
13: yeah
21: let's go to alex yeah uh, Uh,
3: yeah,
16: i'd like to go to him because he's got information
21: uh well i don't have anything like breaking um on this subject but i i i do just want to kind of provide a little bit of historical context to this um you know we're obviously dealing with a couple of different things here of course there's the chinese balloon that flew over the uh, mainland United States was shot down off the coast of North Carolina, um, and then we have the incident uh, on Friday where we shot down something over Alaska. Now we may or may not have something over Montana. Um, but specifically with the incident over um, Alaska yesterday, and also potentially with the incident tonight over Montana, um, there there is some historical precedence with this. Um, and I, you know, I I know it's kind of laughed at UFOs, haha. Uh, but I, I did quite a bit of reporting on UFOs, um, and this is somewhat reminiscent of something called the 2004 Nimitz incident, uh, which was an encounter with of something that was described to be very much like the object encountered over Alaska. Uh, this was encountered in 2004 off the coast of California by a, uh, a carrier group, uh, a couple of different fighter squadrons, um, and the you know the object that was engaged in that encounter sounds a lot like, uh, the one that we saw over Alaska, you know, car sized metallic, we don't know what's holding it up in the air. We don't know what means of propulsion it has. Um, and so when, when people talk about UFOs, you know, comparisons to the Nimitz incident, which is so famous in those communities gets people really excited. Um, and, and so I, I worry that maybe some of that excitement about that is starting to bleed over into these other instances where, You know, a lot of this seems to be happening very quickly, very, uh, uh, you know, very rapidly in conjunction with the Chinese balloon incident last week. Um, So, you know, I I don't want to be jumping to conclusions here saying that there is, you know, UFOs, there's more balloons, say what one thing is definitively or not. Um, I just I just worry that people are going to hear UFO and be like, oh, my God, we got an alien invasion coming here when that's just certainly not the case. Um, I do want
3: to go Grant, I know you're trying to speak earlier, then I'll go to all source afterwards. Um Yeah. So
19: down. yeah, so uh, I've owned some aircraft and, and we have one that flies at fifty one to fifty two thousand. I most commercials flying at forty one and most of the time it never hits there. I was asking the captain, how many times have you been above forty one thousand feet on any of the Boeings or Airbuses?
5: Captain, so, is your I, I, connection I, I, I better
3: switched, now? Uh, yeah it is. I
13: switched I got my ear pods in, so my microphone. Should be better. I
3: don't Yeah, it's much better now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't I, hear him. I think he's yeah, I think he's dropping out. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just I'm gonna also swallow oh, sorry, I just muted everyone. Go ahead, Grant.
19: Yeah, and then for the room, I mean I mean if you guys are talking about alien like a- alien UFOs or military UFOs. Uh, you know, my point about the 41,000 is most of this military equipment is flying at 40,000, 38,000, 39,000 uh, feet. Like, you know, this, this would be, there's no way in the world that the U.S. military is going to start shooting shit out of the sky that it doesn't know what it is. It's just not, it's not even real. They're going to know I, before I, they attack something.
3: And can I get more clarity from anybody? Uh, Maybe also, I don't know if you can answer that one, but not being able to shoot out the the unidentified object in the dark, how common is this? Um, Maybe, Alec, we can go back to you, um, as you've got a lot of experience with UFOs. Uh, Can you give any context on what that could mean? And if anyone else can, from the audience or from the panel, please, audience, do DM me or put in the comments if you do have any experience and you can give more clarity on this. What does it mean exactly that you can't shoot it down in the dark?
12: So I, 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 think, I, I think that the issue was that is they, they couldn't provide a positive ID, the, the issue of Montana, and that's why they decided to do this kind of this weight approach. And specifically, maybe there was concern more, like, because the Montana is more, probably more, there's more civilian population, and the concerns of that they can't do proper analysis of where the debris field would be. But, I mean, they, they, you know, the U.S. Air Force can't shoot down things at night. They have clear capabilities. That, but there might have been something that when they saw a closer observe, that maybe they noticed it wasn't necessarily a huge threat and they wanted to wait into the morning to get more identification to really try really figure this out. But again, I think I'm going to go back to my f- previous comment in the beginning. Right. And I think this is uh, when, when I first spoke is the, the Chinese spy balloon incident, I think, caused a change. Right? And I think there has been a deliberate attempt by the administration because of criticism that was leveled for it for allowing this spy balloon to go through that they change the rules of engagement. And and I think the issue is if this is an aircraft that is flying, something is flying over U.S. or Canadian territory that should not be there, that it is not either civilian or, or uh, allowed to fly up there through FAA or whatever the Canadian equivalent is. We're going to shoot it down, and I think that I think yep. that is because of the criticism of the Chinese balloon. And this is a new rule of engagement, and this might be a more a recurring issue. But guys, if they're going to wait until morning to shoot
19: it down, that means it's another balloon, not a jet, because no no uh, aircraft has uh, eight or nine hours of fuel capacity.
0: Let me, let me ask you, all source on that topic: How often do you, would you say that the U.S. Definitely. government, because their their initial claim here. Uh, was it was a UFO, and then they said it was a radar issue, and now you have U.S. congressmen coming out and saying that, oh, it's not a radar issue, it's an actual UFO. How frequent would it be for them to just have some sort of anomaly where they have a false alarm on a UFO like they claimed about an hour ago?
21: Um, I, I can actually speak to that a little bit. And it's it's not, like, crazy common, but we do know with... Uh, when you say uFO of course that's just military parlance or you know for anything that's unidentified in airspace it can be absolutely anything it can be your neighbor's homemade hot air balloon um but the the thing that you know our military members are sometimes seeing that are called uFOs or sometimes uAP that are actual craft that we can't seem to match in combat um it, these things you know they're they're not. Easily engaged because they seem to have some kind of radar defeat. I do. Okay.
9: On that, on that point for radar. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. So so I'm an air traffic controller and we use radar pretty pretty often, obviously. Um, and as far as like getting blips on the radar that you don't know what it is happens countless times a day. I mean countless, at least fifty times, or we literally lose count. Now we're dealing with blips that are a lot lower, so it could be a flock of birds or even a drone or like one of the other members said, potentially like just your neighbor's balloon or something like that. But it's the same t- type of technology when you're looking at like 60,000 60, feet, 40,000 feet. Um, the only difference is there is there's not a whole lot that's going to be up there other than something that's deliberately placed like a Chinese balloon or something like that. Um, but yeah, as far as they don't know what it is, that's that would kind of make sense as far as um and not not being able to get a proper id on it and just seeing a small blip on
0: the radar. Okay, well, let me let me say this real quick. It says that the United States says that the object shot down over northeastern Alaska yesterday is the size of a car. We knew that part, but it did not have the ability to maneuver and we do not know what the origin of the craft was. Uh and and earlier today, CNN actually reported that pilots that were assigned to take care of the aircraft or, or, or the the unknown object in the air were saying that they were so confused on the propulsion the propulsion system of the aircraft. So it, it, why why are we still looking at this as you know we just have no idea where it came from or do we not have the ability to track these things you know days exactly. ahead
5: exactly
0: <laughs> of course.
3: Right, I've, I've, you know so, I'm trying to um,
0: see
5: if uh,
13: my mic is doing a little bit better now with the Wi-Fi.
3: Uh, it is now, yeah. But, yeah, go ahead, Captain.
13: Okay. Uh, I, I saw a report that said that the debris field or the debris from the one shot down in northern Alaska was, quote, broke... was They found a bunch of, quote, tiny pieces as if it, like, shredded itself. Now, the difference is, is that M9X probably hit the actual object unlike it where it hit the balloon off of South Carolina. So take that with a grain of salt. If it was broken into a 1,000 pieces... A nine Xs really don't break stuff into tiny little pieces. It's just made to punch big holes in the stuff. So you know, take that for what it's worth, and you know, add that to your analysis of what this could be.
3: I do. I'm bringing up. I'm. I'm bringing someone that worked at NORAD now. um... Uh, Nick, I'll go to you as soon as he comes up, so you can ask him the same questions. But just to confirm for anyone listening, because I do get people DMing me, can you reconfirm Nick that we are getting conflicting reports on one side of the, 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 the one side of the report that it's just a sensor blip uh, in terms of the craft over Montana, but then we've got the congressman who reported that there was an unidentified object over Montana. They just couldn't shoot it down in the dark and the operation will continue tomorrow morning. Is that correct? Correct. So it does seem like the
0: originally the Department of Defense had come out and acknowledged the presence of an unidentified flying object. They later came back and said it was just a radar blip issue. But a congressman who obviously congressmen do have a lot more uh, information when it comes to intelligence and classified information – uh, and that Montana congressman eventually came out and said, yes, there was an actual object in the sky, and but they're not going to shoot it down in the dark. So that's uh,
3: – this is going to be a, a – develop- this Ma- is a situation Mateus- that's going to have a lot of developments <laughs> tonight. Matthias, anything else to add to this?
4: Uh, yeah, I'm just getting um, a link to a Wall Street Journal report. This is on the situation that unfolded over Canada this afternoon, the Wall Street Journal, quoting sources familiar with the situation, is reporting that the object that they shot down, quote, appeared, sorry, I just lost the quote one second, quote, appeared to be a small metallic balloon with a tethered payload. That's being reported by the Wall Street Journal moments ago, and uh, quoting U.S. sources familiar with the situation. I'll link this up in the Nest for those who want to see, and I'll also share it with you, Nick, and with you, Mario. Okay. Uh, I the, also have uh, uh, say anything that about the payload
16: itself, or is it just a payload, quote-unquote?
4: The exact quote just mentions a payload. It does not go into specific detail, but we obviously do know the size of this, quote, metallic balloon with a tethered payload, is around the size of a small car, as we as reported by U.S. sources. Uh, okay,
0: let me, let me jump in here real quick. ALX just sent this to me, so shout out to him. I pinned it in the top. Uh, Rep- Representative Rosendale, the congressman from Montana, says that the Department of Defense called him and said that they will be, quote, tracking the object detected above Montana, quote, until it gets light again, and says, quote, they cannot bring it down in the dark. So that was the exact quote from Fox News that was reported on earlier.
3: And I just brought up um, emergent perspective. Are you there?
20: Hey, I'm here. Can you guys hear me?
3: Yeah, man. Can you tell us a bit about your background, and I would love your thoughts on the situation.
20: Okay, all right. Let me start with the background. So, um, in another life, probably about it's been about uh, actually since I left uh, Defense Contracts, probably about been about eight years. But um, prior to that, I was U.S. Army uh, Air Defense Artillery. Uh, I worked on networked air defense systems. Uh, We monitored and protected um, the airspace 30 nautical miles around Washington, Washington, D.C., which is typically referred to as the ADIS. So it was uh, joint Army air defense operations. Um, We worked pretty closely with the Air Force, um, the uh, F-16s, F-22s, et cetera, based out of uh, Andrews Air Force Base. Um, so we actually worked very closely in a, in a peer capacity with the pilots, um, because often we would get tracks and they would send, they would go up and intercept something or identify it, and we would be basically working with them in peers. So our systems were backups to their engagement capabilities. So let me just kind of, um, oh by the way, I wanted to make a comment, uh, clear something up because a uh, a bunch of people had. Uh, uh, had noted well the uh, the reported objects were moving U.S. Canada U.S. Canada and people were questioning what's the authority there. Something a lot of people don't know is that NORAD is actually a bi-national command. It is both U.S. and Canadian. So NORAD has the authority to issue a shoot down order for anything in U.S. or Canadian airspace. So that's not a that's not an issue. Um, so uh, here's here's a couple of a few specifics. Um, People commented on the, uh, the the unidentified nature of the objects. So just something I'll tell you from my experience uh, is any object that enters U.S. airspace that is, quote, unidentified is unlikely to remain so for very long because there are so many known radar cross-sections that are easily cross-referenced against known airframes, for example. Um, aircraft typically have transponders. I mean, even unknown things like a flock of geese, for example um a flock of migrating geese can generate a, a radar cross section but it's typically intermittent it doesn't last very long and the typical end result of unknown objects or balloons or flocks of geese is somebody is sent up to to intercept aircraft is dispatched and they go and they put eyes on it and they go well that's a flock of geese and, and end of scenario um so a couple of things on 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 commenting on um uh, shoot-down uh, in terms of something how something would be engaged. Um, for them to order a shoot-down on an object in U.S. airspace, uh, so you would need co- positive ID. A couple of people pointed that out, and that is absolutely correct. You would need positive ID on what you're looking at. Uh, you would need hostile declaration, which means that they have witnessed the object perform a hostile act, or they have ID'd it as something... Highly likely to perform a hostile act, so that has to be declared, and normally shoot down authority for something is no less yeah. than the two star level that 's not something a low rank uh, that would not be a decision a low ranking person would be authorized to make
19: based on that based on that, they would have to know exactly what it was
20: yes, absolutely because the
19: threat level yeah
20: because in the event i mean let 's say they 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 sense, They dispatch aircraft to an unknown radar track to identify it, put eyeballs on it, and they say, okay, there's some strange balloon, some strange hovering metallic object. What they would do is typically they'd say, well, is it doing anything hostile? Is it shooting at somebody? Is it setting things on fire? If it's not doing any of that, then they would simply follow a protocol of track and and report. What is it? What is it doing? Really, shooting something down is is, is an absolute last resort, yeah. o- only with positive right. and, ideas. And
19: NORAD, NORAD's never shut anything down, to, to my knowledge. Is that right?
20: Um, pr- probably not. I would say during the time that I was at probably in the last 20 years, no. There have been some close calls. Uh, one rather infamous example, there was a congressman, uh, I forget from which state, who – um. Uh, flew into dc without filing a flight plan and forgot to turn his transponder on and they came real close they were they were pointing things at him <laughs> before they id that it this was this was somebody who uh had, had, had... Sorry. You,
3: you, you, what you're saying sorry man what, what you're saying is that it's very rare for norad to actually shoot anything down this is a very rare occurrence
20: very rare they're very unlikely that they would just go trigger happy on anything unless they've identified when it. When was
19: Mario, uh, when's the, well, Mario so the, No, this is the first time ever.
20: Uh, I believe since World
0: War oh, II. Yeah. I could be wrong. That's, no, that's what no over
19: American air, in American airspace, this is the first time ever.
20: Yeah, so let's okay, so get the creation that. Here. Of
19: Nora,
12: yeah, since the creation of NORAD, these are the first
20: incidents oh, where we've had to yeah. shoot down. I mean, let, yeah, me, let me give you – can, can I give you guys an example to, to frame this in real-world terms? on on 911 when they were talking about like the third and fourth and these were studies scenarios we studied extensively on 911 when the when the, they had after the first two planes had hit and they were talking about the third fourth and at one point maybe a fifth plane out there they were trying to get a author- they were trying they had aircraft trailing them they were trying to get shoot down authority and at the time there was not really a clear ROE for that and they finally decided that Shoot down authority had uh, on 9 11 had to come directly from the president, and they were not able to get that in time. They then changed it to where now it's SecDef, and then there are some appointees below him who have that domestic shoot down authority. So,
3: uh, and also, did you hold on, hold on, also, did you just confirm as well what Grant and Emergent uh, mentioned that this is the first time NORAD has ever engaged?
12: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. This is the first time, and I think. But again, I'm going to just end up my comment. You know what I said earlier. I think again, this the, the Chinese spy balloon. I think, and I, to emergence point, I think there was changes of the ROE, right? And NORAD has said, you know, sec, you know, the National Secretary, uh, National Security Council Press uh, Secretary John Kirby said, we were, we don't know what it was. It was an object. It was not supposed to be there. It was entering U.S. territorial waters, and we shot it down, right? I think to emergence point that the Chinese spy balloon, we're all seeing the coming record. They have changed their rules of engagement, and I think now the rules of engagement are if this is an object that's not supposed to be there and it's entering our territory or airspace, we're going to shoot it down because I think they don't want a repeat of the Chinese spy balloon. And I think, unfortunately, and this might be now, are we going too much, right? Are we now being too public about this as there's too much discussion? But also, also we- quick question.
3: Yeah. I've got two questions for you. So, so uh, Emergent Perspective did mention that for, the, for for the, for for U.S. shoot down for the shoot down to actually take place, they have to have a positive ID, and they have to identify the flying object to to likely be hostile.
20: That's correct. Right.
12: And, 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 I, and I think Emergent is hundred percent correct, but, but the question I have is has there been a change of Roe based on the Chinese spy balloon instance to ensure Duh. that this has so Basically, you can have a positive ID, right? You can have a positive ID, and your positive ID is. This object is none of the u s no Canadian, no civilian purpose it has it is not supposed to be here. Has there been a change of ROE at directive of the President of the United States to now say we have engagement authorities over this airspace and the, and by the way, the Canadian incident right with the shootout in Canada that was came from the request of the Canadian Prime minister and they also said it was a cylindrical object or you know something like that We're so so hold on
3: so also if either. this is a request if this is a request from the Canadian Prime minister. Doesn't that contradict the first point, and I, I'm just trying to, to, to be objective here, but doesn't it contradict the first point that it's the Biden administration changing the rules of engagement or the Air Force or changing the rules of engagement based on the Chinese spy balloon? Now you've got the Canadian prime minister himself requesting for the UFO to be shot down, and, and he doesn't have any point to prove. He didn't make any mistakes with the Chinese spy balloon. Does that make sense? No, the, the, the Chinese spy balloon went over Canada. That's oh okay how so he's getting he's oh, okay so he's getting criticism for not shooting it down as well so you th- you think and so i think there was a, there has been a yeah there, i think there's
12: i think emergence is 100% correct just as the was changes after 911 Right. And he mentioned a perfect, you know, delegation. That's what we call in the military delegation of authorities at a certain level, dev, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And he's right. You know, generally, a lot of these decisions are held at higher commands. And there's that's why they're generals and commanders and secretary of defense because they have they have higher levels of responsibilities that they can assume. The question I have, and I think this is a legitimate question and maybe we might get an answer or not. Has the Chinese spy balloon just as 9-11 changed the rules of engagement? Has the Chinese spy balloon changed the rules of engagement? I think the actions are showing that there has been. And maybe this is a more recurring thing. And the question now that we have is, is that the right decision? Are we overreacting? And I think that's a legitimate thing that we have to look at.
3: I I want to go to a quick comment on that. Yeah, Emerge, I wanted to go to you. I want you to comment on what was just said, and do you think that this plays a role in the rules of engagement? Because, again, I want to, I want to go back to a point you said. A positive ID is required, and the UFO must be highly likely to be hostile. Do you think that rules of engagement could have been changed within days after the Chinese so, spy balloon?
20: So we have seen, and and they do occur from time to time, special special ROE um, Within NORAD airspace, because it's a very large command in response to particular situations. I can give you pretty common examples or things like, um, they can institute temper when when major national events like the Super Bowl are going on, for example. They actually institute a special flight-restricted zone around the Super Bowl stadium for, for any objects, and they can forbid some normal air traffic, and they can institute special ROE for scenarios like that. Presidential inaugurations are another example, Super Bowl other things like that where they identify a, a large um, or, or a significant chance of there being some type of uh, event. But those types of special ROE are, norm, are normally very focused around a specific event known ahead of time. They're normally very specific, very restrictive, and they're very temporary. They, they always go back to the the main ROE, which have been the way that it has been really for the most part since NORAD's founding. Because there's wisdom to those rules, okay uh
0: breaking four news. I know you have a, an update for us real quick, and then I do have another question for emergence, so uh breaking jump in,
4: yeah, we are getting uh, some new reporting, and I want to point out the timing in this reporting, which is key. The Governor of Montana posted a statement on Twitter just twenty five minutes ago, saying quote, "I received a briefing tonight at the White House about an object in Montana airspace. I will continue to receive regular updates." Um, so this was posted after the NORAD report where they said it was all clear and potentially a false alarm what was going on. So it, it it's building on this kind of conflicting information that we're hearing from policymakers, lawmakers and officials in the state of Montana versus NORAD and the, the communications that they've been providing to the American public. So it's, it's obviously very easy to see that these situations could be a, like near misses. But at the same time, it's worth noting that it's just contributing to the confusion with this story. Okay.
3: Uh, so, and I do have uh, – Joe as well just sent me some information that um, Air Force Brigadier General Patrick Ryder – I'll try to get him on. Oh, no. We're not going to be getting, getting Ryder on. That's for sure. Um, stated that there was no indication at this point that it was maneuverable regarding the UFO that was shot down uh, earlier and um, and that it had no – let me read the notes – and no indication that it had any surveillance equipment. But I just don't know what we could you – know, what information we can trust because we keep getting conflicting information like the, the UFO above Montana. So um, it's hard to determine how accurate um, what Patrick is saying is. Oh.
0: Oh. I couldn't unmute. I'm yeah, sorry. Me, sorry. I, couldn't, I couldn't unmute. Yeah, all good. Yeah, all, good. <laughs> all good. All good. So emerging... uh, Brett... What? Go ahead, bro. Okay. Um, emergent, uh, I want to ask you real quick because, you know, you, you were involved with NORAD and a big concern that people have had over the past week now that we've been tracking this, you know, uh, these UFO situations, a balloon and everything. Why was NORAD not able to pick up on where these UFOs came from? And how quickly are they, should they be able to do it? How far off the coast of say Alaska are they actually tracking objects?
20: So that really depends on the, um, the specifics of, um, of the object itself. So as I said before, different objects have a different radar cross section. Um, a balloon is going to have, for example, a much smaller radar cross section than, than, you know, a, uh, like a Soviet MiG, right? Um, so the general, you know, to detect commercial aircraft and military type airframes, I mean, the, that, that capacity extends hundreds of miles out into the Atlantic and P- uh, Pacific, also over the North Pole and Alaska. Um, so generally for a solid, Object, like we think of an aircraft that 's generally pretty broad and unlikely for something to to slip in unnoticed. But when you get to odd shaped things, when you get to you know things like a flock of flock of geese, again those things can kind of pop up and be an anomaly and and go away um, there 's also a, a tuning process on any on any system that is used for um, identification there 's something called ground clutter which is if i have a um you know if i have a a, a radar that's placed somewhere in near near tall buildings for example i have to carve out places on the radar picture where it doesn't pick up the building and think that that's an object in the air right so buildings trees uh mountains ra- uh, radio towers things like that and you normally have different um did that did that, did that, did that answer your question
0: yeah absolutely absolutely and i'm sure we're going to have more on that Uh, But I want to I want to have Justin jump in here real quick before we go to the other speakers, because, Justin, you actually have the clip where the U.S. congressman was on Fox News talking about the fact that he was briefed on the fact that there is a there is a UFO currently over Montana. So if you could play that,
22: that'd be
23: awesome. Let's play that real quick here.
22: And uh, I guess my first question, have you guys been briefed on this matter? I have
24: finally, Lawrence. I will tell you that uh, when the first balloon came across and everyone heard about it, we were clawing for information, and DOD, Pentagon, was not forthcoming. Um, Fortunately, this evening, I am back in Montana. I'm at an event, a Lincoln-Reagan dinner in Columbus, Montana right now, and DOD called me as I've been sitting here and started giving me briefings uh, to tell me what was going on. I clarified with them that this is actually the fourth balloon, okay? So the first was shot down over the Atlantic. One was shot down before it entered into Alaska's airspace. third was shot down, uh, Trudeau ordered over Canada. So now we're talking about a fourth incident, and we had air uh, traffic shut down on the northern part of the state. Uh, My report is that it has been reopened. Uh, DOD told me that they are going to be – Uh, tracking the object they can't even say exactly what it is going to track the object until it gets light again they don't have the ability to put any more eyes on it with aircraft until it's light again congressman where where
22: where is the object where where is the object do do they know where the object i I know you say they're tracking it but where is it right now
24: it's north of havard montana
22: so it's, so it's still in American airspace right now. So do we anticipate that airspace being closed as well, more airspace in the country, in Montana, being closed?
24: That, uh, I do not have any additional information on, Lawrence. I can tell you the airspace has been opened back up again. They closed it originally because the object was hovering there in that, in that prime commercial air traffic zone between 18,000 and 35,000
22: feet. And Congressman, I'm assuming because you represent this area, do they plan on shooting the object down?
24: I will know more as it gets light again, Lawrence. Right now, they cannot bring it down in the dark. And once it gets light again, they're still monitoring exactly where it's going. They will give me more information in the morning.
22: Or if anything changes through the evening. So, Congressman,
23: I I know that's the end of the clip there, but uh, yeah, balloons, balloons all around, then, huh? Hmm. See, did he? Did I hear that, Justin? Did I hear that right? Did he refer to them as balloons? Well, he referred to the one over Alaska as a balloon, and then the one in Montana, he kept saying all they could do was refer to it as an unidentified.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, but he did confirm that the one in uh, in Alaska was a balloon. Because I I did hear that as well. Yeah,
23: I think he confirmed that the the, the one in Alaska was a balloon. Confirmed or misspoke. I just want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Who knows? Lots of confusion.
0: So so it does seem that this interview happened after the airspace was reopened because the original report by the DOD and the FAA was that the – or or it was actually NORAD. I'm sorry. I'll correct myself. It was NORAD that said that there was an issue with a radar or whatever. So they were requesting that the airspace be reopened. But now that we're hearing this interview after the fact, it does seem like the congressman is pushing back on that. So, uh, Austin, I want to I want to bring you in here, and, uh, and let's let's hear your thoughts on what you heard in the past few minutes.
14: Yeah, I mean, what what's extremely clear is, especially considering the time of night, I should say is that specifics on, you know, visual identification are going, to be, are going to be sparse. And what it appears to be is that the DOD is, is playing it a bit safe with that, which makes sense, right? Before you're going to order a shoot down of something, you should have visual identification of what it is. I'd love to hear a merchant's thoughts on this because as he was sort of talking about earlier, you can have radar identification of something, and, but until you sort of send something up to take a look at it, um, you're not going to sort of give that issue to shoot that down unless you put the Canadian geese population at inherent risk. Um, but I think what it, what is clear is, as all source was talking about previously, is with all of the hoopla that the first sort of balloon incident sort of drove up in, in domestic media in the U.S. and Canada, uh, it makes sense that to, to, for one, to assume that there has been a change in the ROE in regards to how NORAD deals with these incidents, as well as the strategy moving forward on whether they're to be monitored primarily and let go or shot down. Um, And I think what we're seeing right now is sort of the after effects of this, because as Allsource also put uh, quite clearly, you know, UAPs are not a uh, are not a current issue. They've been going on for a while. Um, And at the same time, from what we've seen from the United States government in particular is we've actually seen a a softening towards releasing information regarding UAPs. I'm sure many of you remember in 2021 when the administration declassified, I believe it was 27,000 documents on um, U.S. intelligence information regarding uh, unidentified aerial phenomena uh, that was started collecting in the 1980s. Um, So I think what we're we're looking at right now is we're looking at a, a NORAD that is being far more transparent than it typically is on some things like this due to the amount of sort of public attention being put on it. But I would, I would take that one step further. And when we look at sort of these incidences in general, and from what we've been seeing, it appears that these are other balloons, right? I I think it's more likely than not based upon the, uh, the notes on lack of propulsion systems, the hovering tendencies, I think we're, we're left with one of two things, either they're balloons. They're being held aloft by a lighter than air device, or, they are some sort of you know new technology that does not you know obey you know the laws of physics or the laws of aviation, and I think it's a it's a safer bet to assume the former. I think the next step here, and this is something in particular I'd love to hear if he's if still with us or maybe bring him back up. Uh, Piotr's comments on if these are, is this is a continued balloon campaign i think there's only one reasonable country we could point to on that considering the past couple of weeks and that would be the prc
0: uh, okay so let me ask real quick all source you were talking about that in order to shoot something down that norad the department of defense would have to have positive identification and also just referred to that as well but when they're coming out now and saying that the origin is unknown how can you positively identify an aircraft like that
3: Actually, can you can you explain emergent? Can you explain what positively identifying would mean?
20: Uh, sure. So what that normally means is, um, so for civilian or military aircraft, you typically have a transponder that actually identifies what it is, and anything not uh, cued with an active transponder. So, for example, military aircraft call have something called Mode Four, which is encrypted. So think of that like being like a like a police car with the lights on meaning you're authorized to fly anywhere if you're if you're squawking mode 4. Mode 3 is civilian aircraft that's um you know your civilian airliners and they they have different codes that they're assigned based on the act, the flight activity that they're currently exhibiting or the flight plan they have filed um and those codes match Uh, match a certain behavior such as landing at X airport or taking off departing at Y airport. So, the and the those the behavior of that aircraft, for example, has to match the transponder code that they have been assigned and the behavior they have to be flying within a certain limit of that. And if things go off course, then that becomes kind of a flag for people to start looking at. So ID usually comes down to, obviously, the easiest way is transponders. Then you have radar cross-sections, and then your final is, as many people have alluded to, the, well, why wouldn't you shoot down something at night, is if something, uh, your final line is visual ID. You can send, um, they can send Coast Guard helicopters or, um, you know, F-16s or whatever's within range. They start looking at what they have in range to go intercept and do a visual ID. Um, In the case of why wouldn't you shoot something down at night if it's unidentifiable through other means you would try to put um, you would try to put an asset in the same airspace and visually identify it um, in terms of you and you would avoid a shoot down simply because you can't get a positive ID now there might be an exception to that for example. If we're talking about an object flying over the woods in Montana, it's not really, it's again, we're, we're, we're defining hostile as, as, as certain behavior and certain intent, uh, which gets to very complex definitions that we can't really go into here. But for example, it would be a different scenario if the object is unknown, unidentifiable because it's at night and it's hovering over some random woods in Montana versus it's approaching uh, the state capitol building at a speed of 400 knots, right? Because then we're saying it is approaching a specific object or something of interest at a high velocity, right? Uh, so uh, that's uh,
0: Emergent, let me ask you this as well, because this is a question that we're getting a lot from the audience, and I do want the audience to go down there in that bottom right-hand corner because we're going to be going here for a long time. I need your questions for the panel. Um, but Emergent... One of the most uh, prominent things that people have been talking about since the first balloon was discovered is how did NORAD, how were they unable to find these, to track these, to know exactly where they came from? Because we're talking about unknown origins now. Was, is the US government not able to find out where these actually flew from? Because clearly they didn't come from, you know, the areas that they were found in.
20: To, to, from my experience, to be honest with you, that 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 just doesn't sound like a very, excuse me, very likely scenario. Because any time an object enters U.S. airspace, there's a um, there's a database that shows lo- there's lots of data that is collected. It's including point of origin. You can go back and say, okay, this object's uh, flying over. You know, or close to New York City, and you can look at the track history over the last 8 to 10 hours and see, ah, it entered U.S. airspace near Seattle, for example, uh, or over the West Coast. So you can see track history, especially tied to – you can see transponder code changes, track history – um Altitude changes, um, any significant changes to a radar cross section. There's a lot of data there, so I find it very unlikely that they would actually ever be in a scenario where we have no idea where something came from. Emer-
3: Emergent, would you say it's more likely that they're not, um, uh, you know, it's too early to start pushing blame to another country and, you know, this could cause geopolitical issues? So um, sure. it's more likely that they know where these objects came from. It's just it's it's not you know it's not a good idea to start you know pointing fingers, um so early. Sure, um, and
20: I would also say it might be information they could have political reasons to want to, to, to suppress. Right. I want
3: to mention that there was a report sent to me by Joe Santos again NPR report um uh, titled the pent I'll tweet about it in a bit the Pentagon got hundreds of new reports of UFOs in 2022. Um, it's a government report. Um. And in that report, let me read out exactly what he said. Almost half of UFO reports are balloon or are balloons or balloon-like. So, number one, is that common or is that just recent from your, you know, from what you've read? Because I know you haven't worked at at the Air Force for about eight years. So that's question number one. And question number two, is it possible that balloons, for you know, for the balloon to go over Canada for so long, um, is it possible that that balloon was not spotted early, or do you think Canada spotted that first first balloon? Relatively early and just uh, relatively early and just let it go on for a while, just to 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 observe, you know, observe what it's doing, observe its direction, etc.
20: Uh, so, to so the first part of your question, uh, I mean, small balloons. I mean, even things like if a, you know, something like a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon got loose, right? Objects like that have gotten loose in U.S. airspace and have been have been tracked on radar. Um, and, you know, they'll do reports for those things and make sure they know what it is. So it's actually not uncommon. Actually, probably the biggest development in the last 10 years is small civilian owned drones, because those can create some. And again, we go to something like, um, you know, a national event, like a presidential inauguration or a Super Bowl, where they do have serious concerns about somebody showing up with one of those drones and buzzing it into you know, obviously, airspace. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it could just be some kid that wants to get pictures of the event, but then they have concerns about that, and uh, so that that scenario has become a lot more common in the last ten years. Um, balloons have always been common; that's not a recent development. Um, and I would say the, the the second part of your question, as the initial Chinese balloon, I suspect that the the Canadian NORAD sections probably. And, and I, I haven't looked at the flight path recently, but wherever it entered NORAD airspace, they probably picked it up pretty early. Like, likely, if it came over the North Pole, they could have. I mean, that's there. There's massive amount of monitoring of that airspace because that was always during the but Cold then why war you, that was always why,
3: why the, then then why this sudden escalation now why suddenly now there's ufos everywhere and, and i know we've got other speakers that we just brought up we'll go to you guys in a bit but why suddenly now you've got all these ufos being spotted and shot I down i
16: don't think it's an escalation necessarily right <laughs> i think that this was a response to the public's anger at the fact that a chinese spy balloon was allowed to fly over you know american soil for four days straight without any kind of response and so this is. A, a you know i would say it's a reaction to that to hit it off at the past so to speak
20: actually that ian that sounds very credible to me uh to be honest hearing all of this i think some people have gone crazy with the ufo alien stuff and i don't think that's I'm really not thinking there's a lot of credibility to that. Um but I do think it's quite likely my my best guess and I, don't don't take me as you know obviously I'm not sitting in front of a radar screen and I don't I don't know all of this but um my best educated guess that that I would put my money on is that they were probably running some kind of exercise or drill using drones and it's it's gotten out of we know how the media is now with taking something and spiraling out with I mean uh, spiral out of control with misinformation and narratives and, and that's that's what that this is to me until we really get strong confirmation otherwise. I think the the, the likelihood of, of some unknown you know I, I just from my experience that's really pretty unthinkable that that's something we have no idea how this how or where this entered the air, the airspace. Just not not a credible story to me at all.
3: All source you want to add to it? When I oh, Yeah before we go to all source, just last question for you emergent When you know what's your concern level right now out of ten, one being not concerned at all, and ten being extremely concerned. Where where were you when the first balloon was shut down? Where are you at now, and what will get you to a to let's say an eight or a nine? If I don't think you're there already, unless you are.
20: Um, I would say I was. uh, I think. I think the the I was listening to one actually one I think it was one of your spaces the other day with um Dr. Gorka got up and said this seems comes across more like a publicity stunt on the part of of the Chinese to do this for publicity and provocation reasons. Uh, because they have satellites that can get more detailed imagery. I mean, unless there's some specific thing that the balloon could collect info on that, that otherwise um, I'm really not too concerned. I think it's more of a publicity stunt. I think what's going on right now is probably more misinformation, but, you know, I mean, anything's possible, and I'm I'm keeping my ear to the ground just like the rest of you. But I'm my concern level right now is is pretty low. I'm I'm more concerned that you know disinformation and, and overreaction to it is is where and I'm I'd, at.
3: I, and you mentioned uh, Dr. Gorka. He's in the. Uh, I've just sent him an invite, Dr. Gorka. If you wanna come up, uh, I've just DM'd you an invite. Oh, I've just requested sent you a request. Um, and what would what escalation? Before we go to all source, what escalation would be like? Okay, shit. Now I'm at a, at a seven or an eight concern level.
20: Uh, I would say a sighting, you know, if something happened, you know, within uh, within uh, close proximity, if an actual hostile act was confirmed within close proximity to something that is of, of serious national security interests, like military base, major city, that type of thing, that's that's more where I'd be elevating my concern level
3: um also i know that justin has a few clips to play for us before we go to 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 mr weinstein also anything to add to what was mentioned by emergent yeah yeah
12: so i think multiple things right i think there's a lot of ways that the u.s can track stuff that is not only limited to radar there's a lot of intelligence capabilities that we have that can like synchronize and provide a better picture right so we're not just limited on radar there's uh intel platforms that are very good at providing a clearer picture uh uh to see kind of what's going on then that's kind of to back up to emergence point um i think from a again from a term of escalation etc and and if there's a concern again i think we just have to wait for more public information i think the issue we're running into is that we're being you know the u.s government norad is being very public with everything that is going on oh, when a lot of the time these incidents probably wouldn't have just received that much publicity and i think that's causing a lot of concerns uh, again we just don't oh, know but I it, but you what do you mean get...
3: that, but just quickly what do you mean they don't get that much publicity if this is the first time norad ever engages it's not something right, that right. but that... i think
12: but i think the the china again just like I point of the the chinese five changed changed the calculus to emergent and point i think emergent hit it again like because of the Chinese spy balloon incident, now NORAD is being a lot more aggressive. And so as such is getting a lot more publicity. And when they're doing this engagements, they're publicly acknowledging it. Right. Again, that's something else that is new. And I think the more publicity is maybe causing people to be more concerned. But one of the things we've been we've seen is that the US government has been public about this. And as such, I don't think they're trying to hide anything. And I think we just have to wait for a little bit more information to get a better understanding because there's just too much unknowns.
20: I I think he's right. Uh, And one thing I'll just point out is when they would run, for example, exercises in D.C., they would run, um, you know, they would have, uh, you know, Civil Air Patrol pilots, you know, fly in and do a, a simulated type of engagement. And those types of things were actually published. And you can go find them yourself. Go do a search for D.C. ADIZ Falcon Virgo. They actually run these uh, NORAD exercises in D.C. area. They actually run those exercises very frequently, and they publish them well ahead of time just to make sure that the public, if they see a Cessna with F-16s tailing it flying in D.C. airspace, that nobody freaks out and calls 911 and thinks that something crazy is going on. So they, they do publicize things like that, and they actually do keep a mind that, there is a public perception and that that has to be managed. So that, that is another element to this.
3: Justin, before I go to, to, to Eric, uh, I wanted to give you the mic to play some clips for us um, that you've got prepped.
23: Yeah, just real quick. Here's a general trying
22: to explain what happened. The balloon was somehow able to get past our West Coast anti-balloon defense system, the Seattle Space Needle. Oh, sorry, sorry,
23: sorry. That was Keenan Thompson on this. I know, actually, one of the better jokes this week. A little levity just to bring in the real big guns now. This is retired General Anthony Tata. He's a Fox News contributor, but he also has some deep experience. This is his take just within the hour on uh, what he thinks is going on here. He's talking about both the Alaska and Montana incident. Let's listen in.
2: Has addressed the American people about this very real threat to To the United States. And it's been, you know, you, you you look at Twitter, and I agree with you, you know, you have to sort of dismiss that because you just have all the information keyboard warriors there uh, awesome. that, uh, you know, they they dismiss this out of hand, like, well, you got satellites, why do they need to send balloons? Uh, you've really got to take a serious look at this and why China would be sending these balloons into our airspace and uh, you know last week, when we talked Lawrence, I talked about probing the wire. Mm-hmm. you know when I was a commander in Afghanistan, you know the Taliban would probe the wire to see how you responded. They would send some some uh, new recruits in to cut the wire of your base camp and and your weapons would light up, and so they would pinpoint where your weapons were mm-hmm. at a strategic level. China is probing the wire to see how we respond.
23: I think that's a really interesting take. The analogy, I think, is apt. There, they they really do seem to be. W- w- kind when of was that? When was that? Was when just, was that, Justin? This was just within the last hour. That was on the Dan Bongino show.
20: Okay. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good take, and I've uh, most of the folks I know in in the military right now. That's 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 the general consensus right now. And Justin, you got another clip
3: as well. Yeah, here's one more clip.
23: This is the uh, spokesperson for the Canadian Prime Minister talking about what they're doing next on this particular object, which was shot down.
11: Recovery operations are now underway and will be supported by the Canadian Armed Forces in conjunction with the RCMP. This coordinated operation will allow a further investigation into this object. We have no further details about the object At this time, other than it appears to be a small cylindrical object and smaller than the one that was downed off the coast of North Carolina. There is no reason to believe that the impact of the object in Canadian territory is of any public concern.
23: So uh, that was her take on it. Again, it sounds like a balloon, but, um, you know, they keep obviously for technical purposes they refer to it as an object things are still being identified but as we heard from the briefing that the uh that the congressman in montana received uh it it sounds like these are balloons balloons all the way all the way down
3: um one question to emergent before before i go to mr weinstein um you did mention that other people in the military that you've spoken to do believe that this is just china probing u.s defense system is that what you what you meant
20: Yes, I think probing probably more in terms of response to see what, what you know, both politically how, how it's handled, but probably also just to see what, I mean, it's an opportunity for them to test uh, capability. I mean, wasn't this one of the first times that the F-22 was actually sent up and an AIM-9X uh, was used uh, on that? So for them, that's data collection, right?
3: That's ballsy. That takes some guts, Amazing, um, right? uh, Eric. Intelligence, because there's no other way it, it, to. It, it, get I, don't know, I, I don't know. I
16: don't know. Because no one's ever used this before. Yeah, it, I, no one's ever used this before, and you know, not in in this sort of situation where they can directly probe the capabilities of the F-22. Thus far, the only thing we know about the F-22 is the stuff that the United States government itself releases, and they're not going to tell the world, much less China, what you know what its capabilities are. So to see it in person, so to speak, uh, it's a good way to to gauge how powerful it is.
3: Um, it goes to uh, the question I had for you, Eric, um, your thoughts on what's happening right now. And, and the, you know, I was just in one of our groups right now. The team just sent me through um, an article by Military Times, National Guard preps for potential Arctic conflicts with Russia, China. Again, I'm not mentioning it to create fear or anything. I'm just reading out, you know, some of the, the articles and, and the narrative we're seeing in the media. Um would love your thoughts on all this, Eric. What are your thoughts on the escalation we're seeing? We saw that there's obviously the war in, in, in Ukraine that's escalating and the NATO support to Ukraine. And now we're seeing escalating tensions with China.
18: Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. Um, I guess what I think is, is that we've settled into uh, several new normals which have not been really declared. I, I believe that the rules of engagement probably did change um, and that we don't have a clear idea of how our outcry might have affected the political calculations of the commander in chief. Um, in, in my opinion, what's happened is, is that we've settled into this new normal of it, uh, preposterous statecraft narratives that might have been, I don't know, vaguely believable in a time before we were all able to communicate with each other, but no longer, uh, really get the trust of intelligent people thinking critically. So we don't really have a clear idea about the UFO UAP issue as regards non-human intelligence. Uh, there's this whole taxonomy that we forget in the first report uh, where four of the five branches uh, are completely um, prosaic relative to the fifth branch, which is just called other. And the purpose of doing that was to make the sexiest thing sound the most banal and, um, we also have this weird thing you can check in your mind that when you hear the words UFO, you don't actually think UFO, you think flying saucer and aliens, when in fact it just means, as, as others have stated, uh, unidentified flying object. And I would also say that there's sort of a limited number of shapes that most things uh, are going to be configured in. They're going to be either configured in spherical shapes or, you know, sort of uh, cylindrical uh, or wedges or whatever, and we all associate those with various grainy videos that we've been watching for ages uh, on the alien um, uh, front, wondering if these things are real CGI or a giant psyop. So I think what's happening is you're seeing a collision between all of these preposterous narratives from the way that we're not allowed to question the Ukraine narrative. Uh, even though it involves nuclear conflict, and we're treating it as if it was an early 20th century war when it, which, uh, in which we're going to back Putin into a conventional corner because, of course, he could never do anything uh, other than resign, uh, which is not, you know, it's a very bizarre thing. So when people are afraid that we're going to suddenly have this end to the calm that followed World War II and that none of the narratives make sense, Kamala Harris is widely not thought to be capable of assuming uh, the rigors of this job, and uh, Joe Biden, you know, may have competency issues, uh, being over 80 and by far the oldest president we've ever elected. I think what you're seeing is is that people are waking up to the idea that these presidential elections, which didn't seem to matter all that much, really matter. We may be in a completely different regime, and all of these trust destroying statecraft narratives, which everyone can see are false, but nobody can get on. Uh, the right channel to challenge, we, we're now aware that somehow we don't actually have news sources except for this crowdsourced stuff, which is why there's so many people here. And so I think that that's what's happening, is, is that we allowed um, our, our our government to continue doing what it had always done, but now in an era of social media where we can all compare notes, realize that they're lying, and that we now fear um, that none of this makes sense. And the, the last thing I would just close with is It's completely irresponsible not to let us know that these objects were drifting with the air mass, right? So if you have a balloon, in many ways, it has very different characteristics than a a jet or something like that or or a rocket. And as a result, um, somebody should just very quickly say that there is absolutely no sign of extraordinary physics uh, with respect to these objects so that we can simply shut down this thing that's in everybody's head, which is that we've heard way too much about um, really bizarre UFOs. And now we're in a situation in which uh, we have a cylindrical object, which sounds like a tic-tac or a cigar-shaped object from days of yore. Uh, and I, I just think it's completely irresponsible for these governments, if they know these things to be relatively conventional, to not say something, because they must know everybody's going to speculate. Thanks very much.
3: I've got two questions for you, um, Eric. First, Emergent, I, I want you to comment on the last point that Eric made um, before I ask my two questions.
20: I'm sorry. I had stepped away for a second. Could you give me just a quick quick summary?
3: Now, oh, 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 good. I'll, I'll do that in a bit. Uh, Eric, you mentioned the settling. Uh, we've settled to new normals. Can you elaborate on this point? Because I, I was, I was going to ask you about it before you even started speaking, and that was the first thing you mentioned. What is this new normal?
18: Essentially, the new normal, so far as I can tell, is is that the government embarks on some program that it claims is in our communal best interest. Many of us fear that it is in the best interest of the ruling class because so many of our top politicians have become fabulously wealthy and we can't quite figure out what's going on. So we have a serious breach of trust because we think we have a principal agent problem where our agents, that is our elected representatives, don't represent us. And what they do is they say, we're going to embark on some program for example whatever the eco health alliance does in wuhan china funded by the defense threat reduction agency and none of us exactly understand what this thing is we don't really believe the cover story we don't know if in fact this is good for us because we found a work around against the, around the bioweapons convention that we need or we don't know whether peter dazik is endangering us let's say same thing would be true for epstein same thing would be true for changes in the m1 money, money supply uh, where it's denied that this has anything to do with inflation. So the result is is that the government keeps taking action, accompanied by a narrative that is absolutely not believable. And the news sources that uh, used to give us a sense of sense-making and, and analyzing these things are clearly playing on the side of the government. So effectively, um, what you have is this, that the the referees are clearly on the side of one team, where the public feels how did this how did this country by uh, for and of the people slip away from us, and the result of allowing these narratives that don't make sense to accompany very dangerous and very bizarre actions that can be seen by all is this radical erosion of trust where people want to lump them all together. Many people think that what's going on with these shoot-downs, for example, they're writing to me saying, this is because we're about to get the Epstein list and that we we need a massive distraction. And you'll hear people say, oh, that's a controlled opposition, that's a limited hangout, Um, useful idiots. We've all adopted the PSYOP level where we're armchair amateur uh, defense Uh, spooks where we're trying to to say, oh, you're you're so stupid that you believe that because nobody knows what to believe because our, our media is continuing with the same way that they used to present things but in an era where we can compare notes and now we know that they're absolutely lying.
3: I want to ask you one one more question. I I know there's uh, some some more news to share. One more question, Eric. The other new normal that I wanted to comment on as well is the geopolitical normalcy that we're seeing. We've got the, you know, I was just researching the North Stream explosion that happened a few months ago, um, because we're doing a space on it in a a couple of weeks. And you know, you've got the Ukraine conflict. You got Zelensky was in, uh, was it? I can't remember which country he was in. And he was urging the – a few European nations to provide – or NATO to provide jets to Ukraine. Obviously, we've got Russian nuclear readiness um, on the rise. That was increased a few months ago. And now you've got China potentially probing US capabilities, uh, defense capabilities and their political response um, with the balloons. And that was the the, the point that Emergent was making earlier. Uh, This is the – for me, this is the story that concerns me the most at the moment And how we're seeing an escalation among the three superpowers in our world. Does that particular point concern you? Should it concern the financial world? Should it concern the world? Or this is just political bickering and and nothing to be worried about? Yeah, I don't
18: know why you're stopping at three. I mean I'm worried about uh, the India-Pakistan border, what Iran is going to do next. And the concern is is that the more thinly we are stretched, particularly by sending arms and things – the the greater the probability that opportunists will increase the number of theaters. And because uh, a uh, highly nonlinear situation where you have multiple theaters in play and, and what happens in one affects what happens in the other, uh, I this is where I don't understand the isolationist perspective. Because these oceans that the U.S. is protected by are not going to function in a modern world the way they might have functioned in the 1700s. I'm absolutely convinced that it's not three superpowers, but you're talking about a multipolar world where the U.S. is fatigued. It's retreating from the responsibilities of maintaining a world with as few poles as possible after World War II because we're all just sick of the job. And we're going to be reminded that what we've lived through is the most anomalous era of peace and, and relative uh, calm, save uh, some horrible things that happened uh, a long time ago in China in the Great Leap Forward. We are completely unprepared for what it means to live in the, on this planet with the toys that we've come up with. And I, I absolutely think the worst thing that can happen is, is that the number of theaters goes up to five or six, and we can't—we're going to be punch drunk where we can't see straight.
3: I remember the narrative of the, the hope that we would never face a, a world war again you know, thanks to globalization and the interconnectedness of the world. And that narrative seems to be crumbling um, every month for the past few months and this doesn't help. Um, so do you think that we'll see any economic impact from these escalations or it's too early to, to see such impact?
18: I think you, you're going to. Uh, I hope that the worst of our concerns is an ac- economic impact. I, I'm really just thinking that most of us have an idea that if something ha- hasn't happened in 20 years, then it's never going to happen, and if something has never happened, it's not worth worrying about. And I, I really think that history is going to be restarting the century in earnest, and we're we're completely unprepared as humans for what that actually looks like.
3: Uh, Justin, I know you had a quick clip you wanted to play for us before I continue with more questions. Then we'll go to Austin just for a quick update, Um, and we'll go actually to to Mateas for a quick update on any developments. Justin?
23: Yeah, going back to General Tata, uh, he's going to basically just talk about kind of what his perception is of of, of how, again, I think what Brett alluded to, some of the administration uh, laps here. Hang on one second.
22: We still haven't heard anything from the president of the United States, and apparently Lucas is the only one – that's on the White House lawn to give us some information.
2: Right. Yeah. Hey, Lars, Lucas does a great job. And, um, you know, as he was talking, it occurred to me um, that recall that during the Afghanistan uh, withdrawal debacle, the entire administration was on vacation. Uh, you had Blinken in the Hamptons, you had the president at his place in Delaware. Everybody was on vacation. As this happened, and then and and there was zero communication with the uh, American people. Uh, then, when the Ukraine Russia uh, uh, war was about to begin, the administration offered uh, Zelensky a ride out um, instead of taking a whole look at what's happening there because their intelligence was so bad that they thought it was going to be over in seventy-two hours and Russia was going to own Ukraine. And now they're not communicating. We have a penetration, repeated penetration of U.S. sovereign airspace by an adversary that's listed in the national defense strategy as our number one competitor in the world. And they're and and the president's at a party, and there's zero communication with the American people.
23: Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a a, a valid critique. There's, uh, I think people really want to mirror the sort of things they want from their government to mirror that sort of anxiety and anxiousness they have around these things, more communication, more information I think will be vital for that. Uh, and I think it'll, it'll dissipate a lot of the tension that people feel. I mean, look, we got 18,000, I think one point we hit 20,000 people listening to this live. That's one of our biggest shows ever. And uh, it's pretty impactful. I think if, if you, if you kind of are just tuckered away at and, and dining with people at these different events around the country, gosh, I think, uh, A lot of feedback I'm getting is people really need to get on the ball and communicate what is actually happening here.
3: And before I continue asking questions, um, and for the audience members, anyone that just joined, uh, bottom right corner is where you can ask questions. And Mateus, can you give the audience an overview of what we know so far? What are the facts that we know so far? Absolutely.
4: Yeah, I'm here. Basically, uh, what's been developing – this afternoon and this evening is that a third um, unidentifiable object was shot down in a joint military operation uh, by the U.S. and Canada over Canada, specifically over the Yukon. That's the portion of Canada that was um, affected by this. We know via a Wall Street Journal report citing U.S. sources um, familiar with the situation that This was in fact a quote metallic balloon, um, with a, with some sort of a payload underneath it. We don't, those are the details that have been confirmed on the Canada situation, but not necessarily confirmed on the situation that we have, uh, on the coast of Alaska, which was downed Friday afternoon. Additionally, what's occurring tonight, which has, uh, created a very confusing situation is that Um, several hours ago, we heard reports of fighter jets being scrambled on our West coast. Um, and then we had the FAA issue a NOTAM and an airspace closure over Montana, which within about an hour of that issuance, um, was retracted and all operations were resumed. Now, during that time, we had lawmakers who represent Montana, both senators and Congressmen and women, as well as the Governor of Montana, specifically saying that they were briefed on a, another object of un, that's unidentifiable over Montana airspace, and that due to the fact that this was discovered at night, the military cannot take further action and will resume their operation in the morning. However, we then received contradicting information from NORAD, which said that this was basically a false alarm and a radar triggered uh, abnormality that they, that they investigated and then pulled back their operation based on the fact that, that nothing was found. So it's a very confusing situation with a lot of uh, dynamics. Obviously, we're at a heightened state of alert given the situation um, we, last week with the Chinese spy balloon downed off the Carolina coast um in the atlantic ocean as well as the discovery that that balloon wasn't the first it wasn't the second there were several um and it's part of a much larger campaign by china to to spy on countries throughout the world so clearly we're all at a heightened state of readiness a heightened state of alert and uh that's why we see an uptick in this
3: Mateus, one is more, one more question. One more question. Absolutely. I see Nick commuting, so I'll give him the mic in a bit. One more question to you and then we'll go to Rose, Rose Alerts as well, who's been covering the story with us. Um, Mateus, the question to you is, um, it, it, there were reports of more balloons that were spotted um, around the world, including Latin America, um, over the last few days. Can you give us a bit more context there?
4: Um, What I can confirm for you is that at the same time as we were dealing with our balloon the final days, uh, as it was kind of in the southeast United States and then off our coast where it was down, is that Costa Rica was dealing with a similar balloon. Um, And then the Pentagon later confirmed earlier this week that 40 countries have reported, not all at the same time, but in general, this kind of campaign by China with these surveillance balloon several of them
3: okay so i uh, i'm gonna uh, your mic is a bit muffled uh, matthias uh, uh rose alerts anything that matthias missed anything you'd like to add before i ask another question for emergent and i see we've got uh Austin defender on stage as well but go ahead uh, uh rose alerts anything to add that uh, breaking for news missed Uh, No,
8: he did an excellent job. I'm just checking through the feed if there's any new updates or anything like that. But, um, yeah.
3: appreciate appreciate you both. Just a massive shout-out to you both because you've been feeding us all the information and validating any information that we get uh, before we share it on space. So I appreciate you. Uh, uh, Nick, I want to ask one more question to Emergent, and I'll give you the mic, Nick, if you don't mind. Um, Just one more question. Emergent, um, uh, we've had – um, so from from no one talking about balloons, no one knowing anything about balloons, to suddenly a balloon appearing in the U.S. and being shot down to now there's balloons all around the world, or at least being reported around the world by 40 countries, as uh, Matthias just mentioned, and now we're seeing the unident- the UFOs in, in various locations in the U.S. Um, my question here is, did, did did the Air Force, did the intelligence know all this beforehand and were only finding out to, in, in recent days? Or is it is it possible that after spotting that one balloon? I know I kind of touched on that question earlier. After spotting that one balloon and, and shooting it down a, about a week ago, um, that now they've been paying more attention to objects that fi- fit that description, and now we we know that there's been there's uh, more Chinese uh, spy balloons in the different locations, including um, Latin America.
20: Uh, I just wanted to say that is very possible that. Um you know during during different events like i said um you know high profile national events like super bowl or presidential inauguration or anything that might uh indicate a heightened security state they do sometimes elevate the posture they also can change standing orders usually those things are short term and temporary but it it's not impossible that some kind of elevated stature or the added publicity could cause you know i wouldn't say I don't think it would be very likely that anybody would go trigger happy because there's too many safeguards in place to prevent that. But maybe alert happy uh, might be a better term. So, for example, people might be more uh, uh, likely to, um, you know, report a radar anomaly, for example. And like we said, that can be many things. That can be clutter. That can even be... um you know, systems that, uh, you know, for example, normally a, a track is, is correlated on multiple radar sources before it appears as part of an air picture to make sure you don't have a glitch on one system. So, I mean, things like that, um, could be, you know, there could be heightened, heightened awareness because of the publicity surrounding this. Uh, also, as I said, there can be things like, uh, exercises, um, you know, and it could even be some – it could even be that another unit is doing an exercise that NORAD wasn't really strongly briefed on that they could have an overreaction to. That's that's also a possibility.
3: Um, the question I – I want to go to Adam on this question as well. Um, guys, for this, I don't know how – how serious is it that this is the first time NORAD ever engages because um, – uh, emergent, you were pretty relaxed earlier that you, know, you weren't too alarmed by these developments and you think this is just China probing US defense capabilities. Um, but for NORAD to engage for the first time, why wouldn't they you – know, after the Chinese balloon and China being very apologetic and, and uh, unusually apologetic um, it, it before, before the US shut it down – why if, if if there are these unidentified objects including that that uh, balloon up in canada that was shot down earlier today that metallic balloon why would norad engage rather than communicate with china and say hey guys you got all these balloons here you know we shot one down you know you got to you got to get your objects out of our airspace i know we're just assuming that this is china but you know this is uh, you know speculation we can make considering well, what we know Well, maybe it's not chinese i, I, I don't,
20: well, I'd say NORAD wouldn't really be the one to handle the the diplomatic angle there. They're really more of a. But uh,
3: NORAD, but wouldn't NORAD need some some authority before shooting down and a, a UFO and in, in identify in uh, yes, unidentified flying object? Yes, that is, that is correct.
20: Positive ID, hostile declaration, and, 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 and hostile,
3: and, and that hostile declaration, can you define it again, especially for people that just joined? So hostile declaration, uh, de- uh, hostile declaration is required for NORAD to engage. So right. what would you, can you give us examples of, of hostile declarations? Serious ones, obviously, and, and, and ones that are not too serious, but that would still count as hostile declaration for them to be shut so- down.
20: So normally if something enters U.S. airspace and it's, and it's unidentified, it would normally be treated as unidentified or unfriendly and they would try to make a positive ID. Normally a hostile declaration would only come after they've positively identified it as a hostile aircraft and or with hostile intent. Or, for example, if something were to commit a hostile act. Um, some things, some non, uh, aggressive things might qualify, such as painting another aircraft with targeting radar under certain circumstances, firing a missile, you know, or flying into restricted airspace without authorization. There's, it's a series of criteria and it's not really a, a one dimensional thing. Uh, but typically, it's it requires an actual hostile act or or demonstrable hostile intent before that would be declared. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty stringent criteria.
3: Yeah, Adam, I want to go to you quickly. Like, why again? With, if I, if I want to speculate that this is a Chinese um, UFO, Chinese balloon um, uh, with the intention to spy. Why would why would NORAD engage? Why wouldn't after what happened with the Chinese balloon a week ago? Again, I'm making I'm speculating here that it is Chinese. And maybe I should stop doing so. Adam, tell me if I should. What your thoughts are? But if it is Chinese, why wouldn't China just get their their uh, uh, flying objects out of the U.S. airspace? Uh, and yeah. the reason I'm asking these questions, I want to know how 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 concerned should I be? And, and it just for me, it would sound concerning that after their balloon was shot down, they still have flying objects over the U.S. and Canada. It just shows that. The audacity they have is very concerning.
10: Yeah, I mean, they, uh, China has shown a, a flagrant disregard for other countries' sovereignty in the past. But you know, like part of the reality with these uh, balloons, which are largely being carried by the current, is uh, the air currents, is that they are unguided. Right, they can't uh, necessarily be retrieved by. Uh, foreign power, um, they don't probably
3: even, but this is a, this is a, why would, it, I'll, I'll let you continue, but why would they be unguided? Again, um, emer, emergent mentioned that it's, it's very, it's relatively easy for defense air system or air defense systems to spot unidentifiable fly, unidentified flying objects or anything within the U.S. airspace. So knowing this fact, why would any country have balloons that they cannot maneuver. And again, Joao Santos did send us an article confirming or, or or I can't remember what it was, but we did confirm earlier that the um the flying object that was shot down in Canada also did not have maneuvering capabilities. Um right. so why would that why would they do that?
10: Well, it would uh, basically reduce its ability to be detected, right? Um you know, these things uh, uh, at least the first balloon that we know of that was shot off uh, shot down off the coast of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Was flying at up in, uh, above 60,000 feet at uh, various points of time. Uh, it wasn't really being, uh, sought after. You know, it's not a conventional, uh, method of espionage. Um, and, you know, these are, these are, uh, quite obviously, uh, probably cheaper than, uh, throwing a satellite up into space to do, uh, some of the same, esp- the surveillance, right? So, you know, they are putting it through the, uh, air currents knowing that because of how, The winds work up at at those altitudes it will uh, cross over a large swath of important parts of the united states and they have some limited ability to self-guide while they're up there and i think that's uh, very critical to understand and it raises two very important questions one is where are these being launched from right i don't know very much about uh, uh wind currents up at altitude but i can't foresee them being launched from mainland china uh, and, and I think someone mentioned earlier possibly the North Pole. And uh, and number two, um, and really the other question, other than antagonizing the United States, um, and this is something that's been speculated about before, is what is the actual uh, Chinese ability to do imagery and uh, signals intelligence collection from the United States? And, um, you know, just given their, their inability to put satellites into space at the kind of the rate that the United States has been able to do so, Um, you know, for military purposes, you know, it actually uh, seems to me that this is actually becoming a primary uh, way that they're looking to expand their collections on the United States to me. Um, I actually think these are legitimate uh, attempts to collect on the United States. Um, And not only uh, are those things uh, a hazard to the U.S. national security, but also the fact that they do periodically cross into air traffic lanes actually causes than to be a danger to uh, normal uh, commercial
3: transit.
0: Okay, uh, Osin, uh, jump in here. Welcome to the stage.
3: Maybe. Osin Defender, are you there?
23: A little note while they're got- coming up, just, uh, just to show you kind of how ahead of the game we are, or maybe we're the only ones who are really interested in this topic. Uh, CNN has moved on, they have a uh, playing the history of sitcoms. Uh, MSNBC is doing a special on immigration and the challenges that lawyers face and even Fox News moved on to the fight around uh, New York and Florida. But wha- for, uh, why? So, so this state. is,
3: but this is this they're is the weird, like, yeah. Unless, but, but why? May, Pre- am I missing something? Because this, again, this is the first time NORAD ever engages. We're seeing an escalation of hostilities between the, you know, when, when the last Chinese balloon was covered nonstop and it was all over the news. Now suddenly you've got uh, another one shot down in Canada and one over Montana that they're waiting to shoot down tomorrow morning. Um, it just I'm, i that's, that's why I was asking the questions earlier to Adam and Emergent, um, just to understand. Um, how serious this should be taken? I'll try to I'll try to find Piotr and bring him up because it would be good to get his perspective on this. But otherwise, Austin Defender, I saw you you were able to unmute. Yeah, go ahead, Justin.
23: No, I'm just saying it's a little pathetic. I, I just posted to the nest this video that's on TikTok making the rounds from some Chinese account. Basically, they mocked up uh, the uh, the F-22 trying to go after the, the the balloon and the balloon evading all its missiles and everything else. There, I mean, they. I, I think part of it is. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's probably on, on the whole, as you step back, a little frankly embarrassing, right? This, this entire endeavor that we're, we're all up in arms over these uh, balloons. But uh, I think a lot of us, uh, in the know here and, and, and a lot of great experience, experienced speakers on stage now, they've conveyed that, that, you know, this is a, a premise to something probably quite larger and that, uh, it should be taken seriously. But, uh, I think the main networks don't, don't quite know how to handle it.
14: I would actually disagree on that, um, on, on multiple points, right? If you, if you're looking at what CNN, what Fox, what MSNBC is covering, I think it's actually, we've actually well established that, uh, and, and I think we've, we've had an issue over the last uh, hour or so. I think we've been jumping so quickly from point to point. We haven't been able to conduct sort of proper analysis on each one of these things. Um, if you're looking at it from the perspective of a, a major news organization, right, uh, I think we've we've all established that there's been a change in the ways that the DoD and the government has addressed these sorts of incidents as a result of the sheer amount of public attention that's being put on them. Mario, as you mentioned, you know this is the first case of a of a NORAD shootdown over uh, not just the continental United States, but in the area that is under NORAD. And I think a large thing that has to do with that has to be based upon public attention. So I think it's it's very clear, but also. You know, if we, if we want to talk about sort of like breaking updates and everything like that, I think we've also sort of well established that, you know, what was the cause of the shootdowns over Alaska and the Yukon in Canada? We've established what's the situation ongoing right now in Montana? Um, and so I think it would be actually irresponsible of, you know, MSNBC, Fox, CNN, and so on and so forth to continue running, you know, end to end sort of, you know, we've got a camera looking into the night sky in Montana and this, right? Because what would that do? That would drive panic. Um, but I, but there are a couple of other points I really want to touch on. Number one, I think, I think this issue in particular, if it is the PRC behind it, is almost entirely dependent upon u.s china relations and what we've seen not just over the past two weeks but over the past six months um i think it has little as we, we heard some previous speakers talk about you know the war in ukraine i think it has little to nothing to do with the war in ukraine um, i think it has little to nothing to do if it is the prc with what's been going on in the past two weeks with israel and iran um i don't i don't believe the chinese legitimately think that the, you know the united states involvement in other world affairs is their chance to fit a balloon through Our integrated air defense network. That's that's simply not how these things run. Um, But moving forward. And another point I'd like to say is that, you know, it was posited that the first balloon was a way to sort of look into the F-22 system and get sort of data on that. Um, There's nothing to my understanding that could have been grabbed from that balloon that the Chinese would not have been able to get through. Either number one, they're actually quite extensive human intelligence network. Number two, they're even further extensive signals intelligence network or something that isn't sort of already public on the F-22 system itself. What's, what's secret about the F-22 is not it's, you know, the altitude at which it flies, nor the speed at which it flies, nor the weapons that it carries. What's secret about it is what makes it stealthy. It's, it is the, the specific sort of compounds that are put on that aircraft. That allow it to evade radar detection. That is, that is, you know, the biggest thing with the F twenty two, and there's nothing that I've seen so far in regards to any sort of equipment that could have been put on a Chinese balloon that would have been able to determine a compound of that nature. So I, I'm extremely sort of apprehensive to this notion that this is a this is like a, a you know a long con by the PRC. They're actually getting more out of you know a balloon with a couple of cameras and some other sort of sensors, whether that's SIGINT, um, or it's based on image. i image intelligence, uh, on the F 22 platform. I think it was more so just, you know, the, the air force decided that the F 22 was the best system for that. And also, you know, the, the air force has been sort of pumping up the image of the F 22 since its introduction in 2005. And so I think it looks good for the United States to use a platform like that. Um, I think what's more so the case is because of the publicity of that initial balloon. We've seen a change in how the DOD is dealing with this. We're seeing more transparency than normal and more updates that the public just generally isn't used to from an organization such as NORAD. And I'd like to hear um, emergent comment on that point particularly. And as a result of that, we we are seeing more of these cases of, you know, eventually resulting in a change of ROE to shoot downs.
16: You know, it's uh, interesting to point out that when the Chinese balloon was first identified, you know, like last week, it was almost immediately identified by the U.S. government as a Chinese spy balloon. With these three incidents today and yesterday, we're we're not seeing that identification as being Chinese. So there's yeah, there's but a but Ian, what's the major difference Chinese. between
14: you know what's what's the major the major difference was that the Chinese recognized it as their own balloon publicly, right? Yeah, they you know, yeah. did. You can you can you can fly up. You know, hang on. You can fly up and look at a balloon and say, that's a balloon, but until that thing is brought down or unless there's a giant PRC flag on the side of the balloon, it's actually quite difficult unless it's already a previously identified airframe to put that towards a specific country. If I fly a Cessna 152 over Canada and put nothing on it, there's, there's no reason the Canadian government would believe that that's an Iranian cessna 152 unless they bring that thing down and there are specific elements of that equipment that are inherently iranian that's why the the major difference between the chinese balloon last week and what we're looking at right now is the fact that the chinese government recognized it as their
0: so so before we go to uh, emergent because i definitely want your feedback on this alex you've been paying a lot of attention to this story i've seen you've been tweeting all day about it Uh, what's your overall opinion on what you've seen today and the administration's response, the DOD's
7: response? Hey, um, so what I'll say is it's pretty interesting. I I think Mario picked up on this. I've been like half paying attention because I was at dinner. Um, But uh, we went from experts like Adam Kinzinger, self-proclaimed experts on this type of stuff, saying that these things are unmissable, um, that they're too high. Well, the first one at least – And then the next day they ended up shooting it down um, and also how that was unprecedented. And then at the same time, they're like, oh, this is very normal. We have these things, you know, over our heads all the time. We just don't hear about it. And like Mark Milley and like the military saying, oh, we just don't report it to the public um, unless, you know, there's a reason for them to be um, like alerted. And now, like, like we've seen in the, in the past week, we, we've already, we're seeing multiple and we have another shoot down and then a potential, um, what we had tonight could have been another shoot down, but you know, they were saying it's too dark. It could be a shoot down tomorrow morning if they confirm that, um, how, how like very quickly it's changed from it's very unprecedented and we want to make sure that like it's going to pose uh, risk to civilians before we take any sort of action it could be seen as like an escalation towards foreign power but now we're on the verge of potentially shooting down a third one it's just very interesting to me how we went from this is normal it's all like you know we're seeing this all the time to now in a week we've we've seen four possibly and um we're almost going to have three shoot downs that to me is just very odd um and then also tonight how we're having you know the We had that statement come out saying that was like a false alarm, but then we're having a a congressman on live TV saying that he just got off the phone with DOD and they're saying that's not the case. They're saying um, that they did see an object and that they cannot make a shoot down in the dark and they're going to track it throughout the night and wait until the morning. So like all of this is very strange. Um, And I'm confused as to why we're seeing conflicting information from Uh, the DOD briefing, a congressman, and and, uh, let me see the organization who put out the statement. I did tweet it. Um, It was NORAD,
0: the
5: FAA.
7: Yeah, yeah, NORAD, and, uh, yep, U.S. Northern Command. So that's just my observation from, you know, past couple days. And then the other thing, too, I'll say is, like the first balloon, uh, they wouldn't have addressed it had the public not like you know asked about it um and on friday uh yesterday um they weren't even going to tell the public about it i don't think they were asked about it um so that that like raises some questions because they're only telling us when the public is asking about these things
0: do you think alex this has gotten a little bit political now is that why is that what you're saying that it seems like maybe the the administration is acting based on politics
7: Yes and um I I've had a bunch of comments um, about like the trudeau shooting down they're like now I feel like this is like a like a PR thing because it's like now they're like oh me uh like biden it's like oh yeah me and trudeau are uh, like protecting you know north america's skies together blah 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 we're taking quick action on these things when like i just said like The last one, we're like, oh, we have to be very careful and we have to we're not going to shoot it down because it might hurt people or we might be like seen as provoking a war or whatever. And like we let it like float over our entire country for three days and did nothing about it. And now we're seeing people like almost take decisive action two in one day. And then like literally a week ago, they're saying, oh, this happens all the time. We just don't tell the public about it. So it is a PR thing, I think, and they just want to like overcompensate and say, "Oh yes, this we're we're tough on this stuff." But like like I said, like if they're saying it's common, um, it's just very confusing for right. the public.
3: That goes, Mateus. You sent you sent me a political article that said the same thing, Mateus. Do you want to mention it to the audience? Is, is Mateus with us. So he dropped out. He dropped out. No, no, he just dropped out. I'll DM it, but I'll read out the article. Let me—he's he's just messaging me now, but I'll read out the article from Politico. Asked why there were seemingly more balloon downings and related incidents, a U.S. official said, "Quote: We are being more vigilant now, which goes, which is in line with what Alex and Emergent said. I'm not sure if Austin, you said the same thing, um, that you know th- there isn't more sightings. The response is just more, uh, more aggressive now, considering what happened with the Chinese balloon." So just wanted to mention that as well. But we'll go to Olsen Defender, who's been here for a while. How are you, man?
6: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Sorry. Got a bit of a sore throat this evening. Um, I did want to mention really fast uh, that the Canadian military has apparently uh, figured out what was shot down over their country, but they are refusing to announce what it is. So that I think that's rather interesting, and it definitely shows either that they don't want us to know or they still don't know and that they're just trying to make people think that they know what it is.
3: It's interesting. Yeah, if you can send me through any article or clips, uh, I'll get Justin to play them. Uh, Captain, go ahead.
13: Yeah, I was – there's a lot of information to uh, to to kind of sift through there in the last 45 minutes. Uh, Austin brought up some good points about the capabilities of the F-22 um, and what we choose to allow the bad guys to see when it happens. Uh, let's we can circle back. You know, Alaska Elmendorf Air Force Base has a what we call a combat alert cell, and that's basically we see it a lot in the news when Russia, as we like to say, probes the wire. Right, they send their Tu-95s over to our aid is, tries to poke around, and then we send our F-22s up there to basically, you know, tell them you're not wanted over here. Well, the thing about our F-22s when we send them up over there is we put our wing tanks on them, and what those wing tanks do is it completely eliminates the stealth cap- uh, st- stealth characteristics of the aircraft. So if China was trying to somehow figure out how are they making these things stealth in these compounds that Austin was
14: mentioning.
11: I haven't
13: seen any pictures of the aircraft that shot down whatever it was today, but I would bet that since they're coming out of that uh, Alaska area, they would have those, those tanks installed, which would limit the cable, capa- which would limit the ability for China to try to gather up any intelligence, uh, or any capabilities. Um, So that's just something to really keep in mind. That's that's how they conduct those interceptions all the time, and I just it's I would be shocked if Russia didn't leak or share the information that they've gathered from our intercepts of what our response is. And we you know we see when it happens, it's politicized on the news for about an hour, and then that's really the last that we hear of it. And now we have this going on, and it seems that it's getting a lot of traction very quickly.
3: Uh, Justin, you do have a clip from a, an eyewitness of the Montana uh, UFO. Uh,
23: Brian Kilmeade has gone into his uh, Super Bowl rants, but uh, he broke real quickly just a few minutes into his program, uh, played a a, a, a taped segment with the, the pilot uh, of a General Aviation Aircraft who spotted the balloon over Montana. Let me get this here. To get us out of this mess,
2: what I gleaned from the whole Balloon calamity after calamity is the need for people to take the lead, citizens. After all, it was a average citizen in Montana who spotted the surveillance ship.
23: Oh, I think this is the first one. Sorry, this is so, but this is interesting. Just hear this out real quick. Who called the journalist? Our president would have not have acted without that proof.
13: And as I was gathering my things, I just spotted the circle in the sky and. I knew it was something that was kind of out of place.
12: You know, Chase told me where it was. So, um, I had a, I had some, uh, long telephoto lens with me and I, I got out of the car and started taking pictures of it. I put together all the pictures that I had taken and started sending them, uh, to the FAA and the, the governor's office. And they eventually put me in touch with NORAD.
23: Yeah. yeah so again, that, that's an interesting take in that this really wasn't going to be a big issue altogether. And I've heard other clips on other shows talk about how this has been happening a lot happens all the time. Uh, It's only, it got, it got called out and then it uh, blew up into this, this national scene. And I think it, it, you know, this guy is right. It's only going to be the, the sort of uh, pressure that we put on as citizens to really press them on, you know, how, uh, what, what is the import of all of these things flying over our heads on this piece? Right. So uh, let, let me find a few more clips, but that's just what I have right now. Again, the shows have all turned to a uh, Super Bowl coverage now. So uh, that'll be the blanket uh, spot for most of the networks for the next 24 hours until uh, someone gets a good shot of uh, a shootdown again. And there are videos that um, are purported to be the shoot down in Alaska and uh, maybe one in, they, they say in Montana, too. But again, so speculative. Uh, we'll just have to kind of keep playing around to see what we find there.
3: Yeah, I've been getting similar videos as well. I haven't tweeted them because it's just impossible to verify. Um, so that I have um, I, I wish I could, but There's I'll a get a lot, lot of hate fake- for that.
8: Uh, going out too, I, one person sent me a satellite falling and claiming it was the unknown object over Montana. So it's just a lot of fake videos going out right now. So
3: And you saw you saw the same thing with the balloon um but by the way, how was the coverage uh, Rosalind, How was the coverage of the the balloon that was shot down a week ago relative to the balloons that we're seeing now? Um how are you seeing how are you seeing both um both stories being covered by mainstream media? I feel like
8: it's the same really unless um I haven't really watched the news that much, but I'm seeing a lot of the same reactions what we had l- last weekend, so but yeah.
3: Sorry, I just kind of couldn't unmute. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll give you the mic, Nick, for a bit. Let me just bring up – we've got two special guests coming in. So let me organize with the team in the back end to bring them up.
0: Okay. Um, let, let me ask you this, Adam, if you're, if you're still around. Obviously, we do have some conflicting reports when it comes to whether there was an object in the sky. You've got NORAD saying one thing. You've got, you've got a U.S. congressman saying the other uh, another thing. And, you know, being that you did work in D.C. for a while, what kind of briefings did these congressmen get? Are these classified briefings? Is he even supposed to be talking about this?
10: So I can't imagine that he was receiving any sort of particularly classified information. And this is literally an example of a game of telephone. Right. And I'm not saying that he's incorrect here, but, you know, uh, the lag time between what he gets told and what. Is the current, uh, information on the ground, um, may be different from what the, uh, press secretary actually is coming out. So we're, we're basically in the same position as if, uh, neither side had uh, made any public comments that we still don't really know. We won't, really won't know until tomorrow morning when there's going to be more clarification, uh, about, uh, the status of this unknown object in the sky. Um, you know, uh, most members, uh, don't really get, most members won't get that kind of like detailed uh, analysis that like the uh, defense department uh, appointees you. and bureaucrats would be getting
0: right now. Right, but it, being that he is still going on news networks, he's still on Twitter, he's still pushing this. Uh, does it even seem right. realistic that NORAD might be, you know, maybe being disingenuous at the at the order of say the Department of Defense? Because as Alex said, this might be getting a little bit political. Does that seem, you know, yep. the realm of possibility?
10: I think so. Like, um, I think it, it's very interesting too. Uh, the uh, governor of the state, Gianforte, uh, came out and actually sp- uh, made a statement as well about some communications that he had with the White House, um, regarding this, uh, situation. And, you know, his uh, state, his statement on Twitter, I, I had to pull it up and throw it over in Jumbotron. Um, but he, he really, his statement was very political he was very uh, expressed a lot of frustration with the lack of information he was receiving from the White House about uh what was going on and you know I think that's I think that's actually pretty par for the course right now is that um there isn't a lot of information being uh going on right now um and the representatives and leadership of uh the state are uh kind of in the dark here um and uh NORAD hasn't NORAD hasn't been very clear about what was happening uh, in the skies and whether or not there's still an object up there. Um, however, given the fact that they did clear uh, the space again, um, the airspace, you know, it, it, it makes me want to ask, was there something, is there still something possibly up there or, or is there something not up there? I'm not really sure. I don't know what was uh, done to cordon off the area at night when the uh, first balloon was tr- uh, transiting the United States, you know, my uh, my chief concern is, you know, how does this potentially impact civilian air travel, you know, um, going back and forth over the state? Right.
0: So so emergent, I, I'm going to yield to you on that as well. Uh, and sort of a similar question there. Would NORAD open up airspace or I'm sorry, the FAA open up airspace and and revoke that national defense airspace? Designation that TFR, if they actually thought something was in the air up there at potentially forty thousand feet, I, I it's probably worth a, a making a distinction here that forty thousand feet and sixty thousand feet it's a, it's a huge difference. The sixty thousand feet, you know, you don't see commercial air traffic at, so that's definitely worth noting. But what are your thoughts?
20: sure and i don't have the the exact numbers in front of me but there there are certain there are altitude ceilings beyond which they either consider something to be a diminished or a non threat cuz for example at some point something is in space and we're not we're not considering that us airspace but there are a few um there are a few flight-restricted zones that are actually defined as, uh, if you will, uh, zero-to-infinity airspace. So there are a few. Uh, normal airspace does have a ceiling, which they care, but there are a few uh, things within NORAD protection that are considered infinite altitude. They consider anything over it would be, uh, would be in violation.
3: I want to go quickly to Matthias. Matthias, I've actually got a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind, man. Um, when, were the, when were Americans told about the first balloon?
4: Yeah, so it's a very interesting question because uh, we know that President Biden was briefed first on this situation on the 31st of January. I was actually with the president uh, covering his trip to uh, New York City about the infrastructure bill. But we didn't – journalists uh, – did not notice anything kind of awry and and unusual about his visit or any, like, times he was maybe pulled aside uh, or anything like that. We were made aware, obviously, after it was revealed on social media that there was something over Billings, Montana. So it's interesting to to think about whether or not we would have been um, made aware of this had this not have broken on social media and, and gotten the traction that it did. What, what makes matters worse possibly for the administration is that on Friday when, uh, John Kirby, who's recently taken the position as the White House coordinator for strategic communications, gave a briefing as part of the the daily press briefing at the White House, he didn't, uh, he didn't reveal the information forthcoming that, that the second object was shot down over Alaska within the hour of him speaking, he had to wait for a reporter to kind of ask him, is something going on over Alaska? We're hearing unconfirmed reports of military activity. And then he pulled out this piece of paper and read off a statement. So again, kind of going towards the fact that we we don't necessarily know if the administration would even reveal this kind of information if it weren't for a, the, the media, and and then with the earlier uh, Chinese balloon, the the public and their reporting on social media.
3: I'm just going through the audience questions. I've got another question here for you, Matthias. Um, the 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 way this was all communicated, because I know you keep covering breaking news uh, on a regular basis. The way this was communicated, is it surprising? Or because I, I know I saw a few panelists earlier mention their concerns. Um, in the conflicting reports, but from you know, I, I just don't find that to be too surprising. I find it to be relatively common. They can't share everything instantly, um, and, and when there's breaking news happening, they you know it's really difficult. Everything's dynamic, so it's really difficult to know what to share. Can, you know, should we make something out of that lack of clarity that we're seeing, or is that relatively common?
4: No, that that's why I'm being so careful what I'm doing because it's obviously important to call out administrations over lack of transparency because we want the American public to know everything. But at the same time, you understand the importance of military secrecy to some extent where when, when things like this occur, you, you almost want your own military to not share everything because they're not just sharing with the American public, they're sharing with the world. So you don't play all your cards at once. But at the same time, yeah. if John Kirby had a prepared statement to make, he should have led with that instead of waiting for a reporter to ask, because it doesn't look good for the administration, regardless of what his intentions were.
3: Um, Austin, I want to go to you, man. We've covered and and you've been in our space on the Ukraine war. We've covered Chinese U.S. Uh, tensions in a space together as well. Um, the escalation that we saw uh, again is it first? Is it fair, Austin, to speculate that this is Chinese? Uh, either spy balloons or, or spy flying objects, spying UFOs?
14: Um, yeah, I would say so. Uh, I wouldn't say – when we look at other – okay, when we look at other near-peer adversaries of the United States that would have the capabilities to run a campaign like this, the other ones uh, – the only other one I would look at would be um, the Russians. And it's very clear that the Russians are currently tied up with the war in Ukraine right now. They legitimately really don't have the the intelligence assets to spare uh, beyond some of their strategic bombers, which, as uh, Captain Osen and emergent sort of pointed out earlier, um, they have a sort of a long standing tradition of running some of their t u uh, ninety five strategic bombers towards uh u s airspace and seeing what the response looks like like that and that 's something that the United States has done as well with um, our b fifty two platforms um, as well it 's kind of a long standing uh, deal there, and also previously. When we look at the Russians, um, the Russians were party to the Open Skies Treaty that was signed in 1992 and existed until, I believe, 2020 or 2021, which essentially allowed uh, Russian spycraft to overfly the continental and United States and our extended territories as long as fair notice was given to, um, to NORAD in the case of the continental U.S. and Canada. And then other sort of U.S. combatant commands when it comes to areas like Guam, you know, Puerto Rico, all of that fun stuff. Likewise, the United States was able to conduct a spy, um, intel gathering overflights of the entirety of the Russian Federation during that entire period. Um, so. What that means and why that matters is that the Russians very much in regards to geospatial intelligence and everything like that, in regards to strategic nuclear capabilities, they already know everything that they would ever really want to know about the U.S. They know where silos are. They know where which is important and why that treaty was signed, because uh, the entire reason Open Skies was signed was to ensure that both the United States and Russia were abiding by some of the uh, nuclear de-escalation treaties that were signed um, in the 90s. Anything from SALT to to New START, basically reducing the overall nuclear arsenals of both uh, the United States and, at the time, then the Russian Federation. Um, So it makes very little sense, to me at least, from what I've been looking at for the Russians to all of a sudden start this sort of like balloon um, campaign, considering that the Russians already do have other ways of gathering intelligence. And to be quite frank, they know enough about the U.S. strategic uh, nuclear arsenal that it really doesn't make sense for them to be expending a single dollar or, I guess, a single ruble on, you know, launching a new campaign for learning things that they would probably already know. That leaves, you know, China. And then I guess someone could make the argument that it's in the interest of Iran to do it. But Iran doesn't have the capabilities to do it. They don't have the aircraft. They don't have the um, the uh, honestly they don't have the wind on their side in regards to if they wanted to launch a balloon campaign and so we we end up back at china and so uh, as we you know as was verified with the first incident uh, about a week and a half ago it was the chinese running that i i really don't see any other indicators pointing to another nation other than the prc um launching these
3: and the argument just to and you've always been pragmatic on stage so i always like to have you here um the argument that China made – I want to, again, look at everything objectively – that the first balloon was a, a, a weather balloon, and we've all dismissed it, and rightly so. Do you agree with us dismissing that as a weather balloon?
14: Well, I would agree with dismissing it, but I would also say that that's actually really indicative as to why they're choosing balloons themselves. Um, I think balloons and the use of wind as opposed to a designated sort of propulsion device like a propeller or a jet engine, if you really wanted to fit one onto a balloon, which wouldn't really work out that well, um, is it's plausible deniability at the end end of the day. Right. Because if you look at the initial sort of communications coming out of the PRC before they recognize that balloon, well, actually, after they recognize that balloon as their own. They said it was wayward. They said it was a civilian research balloon. It was used for sort of uh, weather analysis and everything like that. And when you're using no propulsion devices with something like a balloon, uh, even though you know everyone here can recognize after you know just a quarter of analysis that if you launch a balloon from Inner Mongolia, it's likely going to end up in the continental U.S. because of how the jet stream operates. The use of a non uh, of a device that had zero propulsion lens towards the narrative that they were pushing that this is off course like we have no control over this why are you blaming us we don't control the balloon nobody controls the balloon right so i I think that's actually a a very evidentiary sort of point to look at when we're we're seeing that the, the prc has already done this but also as a point when it comes to diplomacy they can you know point at it as a balloon and say like well we didn't tell it to go here
3: um, so I've got another question for you. I'll go to Mateus first. Maybe he's got some breaking news. My next question is about um, the Chinese military. And are they at a position where they could provoke the U.S. to this extent? Um, or is just the U.S. stretched so thin that they're taking advantage of the situation? And is that linked to what's happening in Taiwan as well? But before go- answering those questions, Austin, um, Mateus.
4: Uh, yeah, Austin made some great points about the fact that the Chinese most likely considered using a balloon for the reasoning that they can kind of deny that they have control over it. Although, uh, to play devil's advocate, U.S. officials have confirmed that though there it, there wasn't any propeller or driving factor uh, with these balloons, they were able to use those jet streams and kind of play with them, and um, it was intelligent enough to to be maneuverable via the wind while moving up and down, changing altitudes, things like that. So the balloon definitely had direction and was being directed, just not in a way that, that we're commonly used to and also in a way that it's very easy to make it look like it, the balloon is, just has a mind of its own.
3: Uh, Justin, can you quickly play the clip that you have from CNN? We'd love to, to hear their thoughts on this uh, or the, the narrative they have before going back to Austin.
23: Uh, sure. This is a retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Cedric Lighton, uh, CNN host who you'll recognize is coming in and asking him a question about this same sort of prodding. He has an interesting answer, I think, uh, might bring us to some other discussions.
25: It, it, the possibility that we might have a foreign power like China or Russia sort of poking and prodding with these objects, how concerning is that from a national security standpoint?
1: So these are the kinds They're, of things. these are major no-no's, aren't they? Well, we do that all the time. Yeah. We do it to them. They do it to us. But here's yeah. the no-no part. We don't overfly their territory. They have, in these cases, overflown our territory. Uh, if it is in fact uh, the objects 2 and 3 are in fact from either China or Russia we know that in the case of the first object the balloon obviously the chinese did that that was the big no no so the in, the way things run in the w- reconnaissance world now is uh yes you test the systems but you don't overfly the systems the air defense systems of a of a, an adversary don't get caught and you well and you certainly don't get caught not like yeah. Francis Gary Powers back in the early 1960s you right. know who definitely got caught but the rules have changed since then so we don't do that kind of thing anymore Uh, now when it comes to uh these kinds of assessments yes the chinese and the russians are obviously always testing our air defenses Uh, it's very logical that they did this again uh let's see if the facts bear that
23: well there again we hear that that sort of uh, testing prodding and also the rules have changed i think a few uh, speakers have alluded to uh perhaps the roe have changed uh, when it comes to this because uh the big no-no as lieutenant colonel points out is uh, the deal is, we typically don't actually go over them, and these have.
3: Yeah, so so this is um, Austin. This is the point I want to touch on: is that we are living in that new normal. China's military seems in a position where, you know, it has the audacity to fly over us, uh, USA space, or fly over US territory. So this is the particular point that I want you to touch on, because um, this is the point that concerns me, where. China's either responding to, to, to U.S. support for Taiwan or taking advantage of the U.S. being stretched thin with Ukraine. Before you ask, so I do want to tell the audience uh, we're not going to keep the space running too much longer. I think we've covered the news pretty well. So make sure you, uh, I don't have the pinned newsletter, but if you're following us, you'll be notified when we do the space again. Uh, so make sure you do follow us so when we do the space. We'll probably cover it tomorrow if the next balloon or next, the UFO is shot down tomorrow morning. And we'll get a few special guests. We'll prep in advance because this is a breaking news um, uh, space. So we didn't prep for it. We'll have uh, panelists ready. And we'll probably get dive deeper into U.S.-Chinese uh, relations and what this all means. Because for me, that, that is the, the biggest point of concern uh, on a personal level. Austin?
14: I'm sorry. uh, Could you reiterate what specific point you wanted me to talk on there?
3: Um, With Chinese um, spying by flying over U.S. uh, territory, this is the the, the big no-no, and this is the line that's been crossed. Am I looking too deep into it, or this is a line that kind of leads us into a new normal where China is just a lot more courageous?
14: So so I wouldn't say you're looking too deep into it. I I think what's important, though, is is historical context here. And as, you know, the clip from um, Justin sort of pointed out, I think uh, another major incident in history to sort of look into for this would be the Francis Gary Powers incident, in which case, you know, at the time. United States was conducting U-2 uh, spy plane overflights of the Soviet Union quite often. And the reason that they were able, we were able to do that was because of the altitude specifically that U-2s flew at. It was untouchable by any sort of gun or missile that the Soviets had until they finally could. Um, and when we look at instances like this, no matter, no matter what sort of the geopolitical playing field looks like between nations like the PRC and the United States, there are always going to be attempts to conduct overflights, to conduct intelligence gathering, right? That is that is that is the name of the game. That's how it's played. What we're looking at in this case in particular is, is very similar to the, the shoot down of Francis Gary Powers in the way that the moment one side switches its calculus, whether that's via technology, whether that's via diplomacy, whether that's via a change in the rules of engagement or the ROE, that is what sort of changes the playing field with how different things are conducted. And, and from what we've seen previously is that it appears that some of these balloon-based overflights were conducted um, earlier, not this year, but uh, in other years, and those did not result in shootdowns. What is very clear is that after sort of uh, the amount of public attention that's being paid, that was paid to the, the larger Chinese balloon that overflew the U.S., is that the ROE and the way that the DOD and NORAD are dealing with these incidents in regards to not just physically and kinetically, but also in regards to how they're releasing this information to the public has shifted. Um, and I, from my perspective, do I think that this is going, this is a sort of a resource sink for the United States. Do I think the Chinese have anything to gain over the, the Taiwan situation on this? I would say no. Um, if you want to talk on the resource angle, the United States has had a consistently rising defense budget since 2016. And before that, you know, that budget only decreased slightly from the years preceding. I don't think we're going to see any sort of, and if, if you look at the the types of equipment being used here, you know, the F-22 hasn't been, as OSIN um, Captain and Emergent pointed out, the F-22 has not been exported anywhere in the world. The United States is the only uh, nation in the world that has that particular airframe, but um, And so moving forward, I think what we're looking at is we're seeing on a diplomatic standpoint, we're seeing Chinese displeasure being uh, forced onto the shoot down of that first balloon off the coast of South Carolina. But I don't see that as having a large scale impact on any of the logistics surrounding uh, U.S.-Taiwan and PRC-Taiwan relations. Because when we talk about something like that, we're not talking about balloons, which are Generally, fairly cheap to manufacture, right? We're talking about aircraft carriers. We're talking about you know total tonnage of a a green water or a blue water fleet. Um, and so, I think what we're seeing right now is the Chinese have observed what the reaction was to that first balloon, and they're trying to drum up more attention over further balloons and try and make the current administration look uh, incapable. I think I think we're looking at information ops in real so, so
0: let me ask you real quick, emergent, if you don't mind. These new, quote, identi- or unidentified flying objects that are, you know, they might be coming from China. They might be coming somewhere else. It seems like with recent events, it's probably a lot of people are going to make the assumption they're coming from China. How long would they actually take to make that journey? Say, Let's say they're balloons, okay, to float down the jet stream from China. What sort of time period are we looking at in order for them to get here? Would they have been launched before this uh, balloon thing really started being a big deal? That's a good question.
3: That's a really good question.
20: I think I looked at the, um, the, the overview of the – it's been a few days since I looked at the article – the overview of the flight path of the original balloon, and I think it took three, three to four days from the, its estimated departure point, but that really depends on what the departure point is. I think it's, I think it's a matter of a few days. It probably depends on the, on the wind speed.
0: So, so based on that, it sounds like you're saying that these, these balloons would have been launched after the U.S. response – to the
20: previous balloon. You know, the, 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 the... Yes, that would, that would make sense. Okay, and then what
0: sort of capability does the United States have to be able to actually know where these, uh, these launch points would be? Is that something that's realistic? Do we have the capability to even do that?
20: Uh, that's, a, that's a lot of different. Um, there's probably some Navy capability. Probably the ones who'd be most familiar with that would be NGIA, which is National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Um, They use uh, they have a lot of resources at tracking uh, global global assets like ship movements, um, uh, supply material movements. Uh, You know, that's probably the primary source for the Ukraine, the the Russian buildup on the Ukraine border. Um, Things like departures of of ships, uh, shipping traffic, both civilian and military. So probably NGIA would be the primary source for that. But there are other possible sources.
3: Yeah, I do want to uh, just ask you one last question, and before you answer that question, Emergent, um, I also want to get cobbler report the the Kobay- is a cobbler report, the Cobay's letter to give us a final thoughts on on the incidents that happened today. But the just for the audience, we do these spaces whenever there's breaking news, as you probably all know. Um, and there is a newsletter that, we're, that we just started. It's pinned above. It's also retweeted on my account. You can sum, uh, subscribe there. Sorry, I just got woken up for the space. So I'm still, still uh, a bit sleepy. Sorry. You can subscribe there to get a, a summary. Oh, good, All oh, good. I'm glad you woke me up. Um, to get a summary of the spaces that we do. Um, so make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. I do have one last question for you, Emergent. And by the way, my team is going to send you my number, Emergent. It would be a pleasure to have you again um, as this uh, situation um, uh, uh, absolutely. The uh, and, and my question to you is uh, for for chinese and Austin was covering was was answering that question earlier for chinese flying objects or for, for chinese spying by flying over u.s airspace um you seem I, I you know you seemed relatively at ease with that um why because I, I am i the one, one of the few that find it to be an escalation Um i was listening to um um, I was reading an article uh, after the first balloon was shut down, and they, you, know, all, you know, we know that China is spying on the U.S., the U.S. is spying on China, and the list goes on. everyone's spying on everyone. But there are to-dos and not to-dos, and flying over the other co- the other country's airspace or, or territory is in is in the not to-do list. For that to change, is that a new normal? Is that an escalation?
14: Uh, so it, it, um, it's a new normal based. I, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'm going to comment quickly here. I would say it's a new yeah. Go ahead, Austin. I'll go to
3: emergent. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. It's,
14: it's a new normal based upon technology, right? When in the era of when like spy overflights were conducted, um, specifically by the United States, they were either done by U two and later SR seventy one platforms that were you know flying higher or faster, depending upon which platform. Um, then you know domestic uh, air defense networks could respond to. Um, after the advent of sort of wide-scale use of spy satellites, that hasn't really been necessary. Um, We still have the U-2 platform. We still use it and everything like that. But the necessity, the necessity for using piloted aircraft to conduct that sort of uh, geospatial intelligence work has been largely supplanted by satellites. And so I would say that, but from what we're looking at right now with the balloons, the balloons are different because I would, you know, I would posit that Chinese satellites have been orbiting, you know, the, the United States for quite a quite a while now, right? And so I think what we're looking at is not necessarily an ex- escalation. It's more of a hark back to how espionage used to be conducted. And I think the public, and that has been so far separated from the public since the, the glory days of the U-2 and the SR-71 that... You know, nations like Russia, nations like China, don't have the need to run a piloted aircraft over the continental United States. They can just do that with a satellite. Unless, unless,
3: but unless it's unless it has further capabilities. I know that um, you know Gorka would, you know, Doctor Gorka wouldn't like me saying this, but we had um, someone on stage talk about. I think it was an ex-general that was talking about the um, testing balloons for carrying. Uh, nuclear arms I can't remember what it was um, another person was mentioning the balloons interfering with um, uh, communication networks so there sure. could be and, and by the way both these you know, the first point that I mentioned that's highly highly unlikely for anyone listening to this but the point I'm making is there could be other capabilities for the balloons that the satellites couldn't achieve Uh, So, 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 what
14: I would say to that, what I would say, and I think that's a very good point that you bring up, Mario, and I think that's something that needs to be addressed here is the idea. So, I've seen it uh, talked about often too: is what if one of these balloons is carrying a weapon of mass destruction, whether that's biological, chemical, nuclear, or as some have posited, like an EMP device, right? I, I think I believe the United States government and I would also say I would believe if the United States were to do this to the Chinese government or the Russian government, I think every government's response would be the same. They would treat it as the use of a WMD on home soil and they would respond to it overwhelmingly. I think that is one of the fundamental constructing pillars of the doctrine of MAD or mutually assured destruction. And so I I I, I am extremely apprehensive towards the idea that you know the Chinese are using so this. So I meant yes.
3: So I meant just to clarify. I meant not that, that, that they're not using it for this purpose today, but they're kind of either testing it for that purpose or at least sending sure. a signal like, "Hey, we could have uh, we could uh, included." Exactly.
14: Uh, and so, so, so what I what I view as the negative on that argument, though, is that if they were right, Let, let's say that all of these balloons were undetected, the Chinese have you know the the go ahead that if they wanted to conduct a mass attack on the united states via a balloon they're able to do that so so this dives in a little deeper into the concept of the nuclear triad and the nuclear triad is the the idea that Just about every nuclear-armed nation is able to deliver their their weapons of mass destruction via three major uh, pillars. The first being silos, so ICBMs, missiles. The second being um, aircraft, so via air bases from bombers. And the third being from submarines. That third pillar is the most important here, right? Because even if the Chinese really believed that they would be able to shut down the American power grid you know, drop a biological weapon from a balloon, which isn't really viable considering how biological weapons work, but let's say hypothetically it could, or, you know, a large scale nuclear attack conducted via, you know, going under, under the radar, so to speak, even though that's not the case either. Um, There's nothing in there that considers um, U.S. submarine positions at all. So, I I think the the best way to put this argument to bed, and this is why I don't believe that this is the case, that the Chinese are trying to build up for a WMD tech later, is that, you know, as we've we've already sort of um, gone over, these balloons, as of right now, as we've seen, are unguided. And if you're going to conduct a strategic uh, attack using weapons of mass destruction, you need to hit certain areas, you need to hit silos, you need to hit radar networks, you need to hit, most importantly, submarines. And no balloon is ever going to find a U.S. nuclear submarine, just as any American balloon would never find a Russian nuclear submarine. And I think that's that's the best way to sort of talk about that.
3: Uh, emergent, would you agree with um, uh, Austin's response to this? Can you hear me, Emergent?
20: Uh, the mic is not there. Um, Kobe, oh, there there oh, it, it right. is. There it is. Oh, you good? Sorry, oh yeah, good man.
3: Yeah. Oh good man, oh good. Yeah,
20: I think I, I agree with his his point of view. I think a lot of this is probably more uh, probing. I mean, it's not unlike in some ways what um you know, a lot of what people don't know, a lot of what the navy does. You know, there's things like international agreements like, you know, each country gets, you know, uh I think it's 15 miles of uh of sovereign uh, waters outside and then but then there's international agreements about certain areas but there, there's always been these cases where some country will just declare oh yeah well the normal is 15 miles but we declare 20 miles. Right. The um, the Gulf of Sidra incident in the 80s uh, where Gaddafi declared that, oh, yeah, well, I get 200 miles of the Mediterranean as sovereign Libyan territory. And it was Reagan sent the the carrier strike group there to shoot down his planes and prove to the world that, no, that's not your territory. So in a way, this is kind of in a certain sense, it's kind of the Chinese doing the same thing, testing the limits, probing seeing what they find out seeing what the reaction is um yeah i think uh and by the way i linked two articles down there about the 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 incident i talked about earlier which i think is very historically interesting and it's not very widely publicized on there was a the 2004 incident was the it was not i i said i misspoke earlier i said congressman it was actually the governor of Kentucky governor fletcher in 2004 he flew in uh, to D.C. without fly, fly, filing a flight plan, and it was in complete violation of the post 9-11 rules, and they almost shot him down. So there's a I posted it in the links. There's a both an NBC and a WAPO article about it. Really, they even went so far as to evacuate the Capitol building because they thought it was another hijack scenario. So read that very interesting historical info and kind of paints you a picture of uh, of what the what that is actually like.
5: Hey,
26: Mario, one quick for you your like for your experts here is, you know, what if this is just sort of a, a general like a general trend? So uh, several weeks ago, uh, whenever they had their their big meetings in China to sort of consolidate power, Hu Jintao was removed from those meetings and sort of a, a, a major spectacle. That there was uh, a break from tradition, um, typically not not something that, that China would do. And following that, when when the World Cup started, and people were following live coverage, and they suddenly saw not just people at the World Cup, but people around the world celebrating in mass, it started to dawn on the people that something about what was happening in their own country wasn't matching up to what the rest of the world was doing with respect to COVID. And so I just can't help but wonder if China may need some, some wins in some ways um, because of the, the amount of duress that, that their leadership may be under now. And I long speculated that China couldn't keep a zero COVID policy and go to war in Taiwan and, and, other NATO nations. Um, and so I just wonder if there's there's a sort of pivot out of a little bit of uh, anxiety over, over, you could argue that in the worst possible world, China handled COVID so poorly. And if people in America and other Western nations are upset about how we've been treated during these times, imagine what a population like that must be feeling after they've been locked down for years, used inadequate uh, vaccines. And then, um,
3: and I, then I think, still- uh, uh, Kosebi, I would love you to answer that question. Uh, Kosebi, Kobesi, I'd love you to answer that question and and answer the question that I had. I think me, my question and Carl's question kind of go in line is, is, um, you know, what, you know, why is China doing this? Um, so I'd love you to answer that question. And I'll go to Piotr as well.
27: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, look, the first thing I'll say is I just pinned this timeline um, that we just tweeted a few minutes ago. Why? I mean, it took us three days to shoot down the first balloon. Now we're shooting down these UFOs almost by the hour and this, this whole thing over Montana in the morning that we're going to engage with. Um, you know, t- China is testing the waters here, but I also think the US is also testing the waters. They're trying to see when they shoot down a, a Chinese-owned balloon or some sort of Chinese-based espionage, what's the Chinese reaction to this, right? And we're coming off, you know, the, the Kobasi letter, we're a financial publication, so we're kind of looking more into what does this mean more on the economic side? I mean, we're coming off a historic trade war um, from the Trump era between the U.S. and China. We're finally starting to see supply chains normalize. But we also know that China is has their eyes on Taiwan, which is, you know, the biggest producer of semiconductors in the world. So um, is this China trying to poke poke at the U.S. and see, all right, well, this is their reaction if we fly over the U.S. What happens if we keep flying over, you know, Taiwanese uh, waters or we, we sail around Taiwan? What is this going to do? Is the U.S. going to impose, you know, further um, tariffs like, like we saw um, over the last few years? So. I think China is really just trying to see what, what happens. I mean, we're going to keep testing the waters here and we know that China has their eyes on Taiwan. I mean, we know that they're expected to invade by 2027 and we also know that, um, you know, tech, tech companies have been under pressure and, and China knows. So I think they see now, you know, now is a time when we're a little bit more vulnerable and this is in the news and it's become very political. So, um, I, I really think they're just going to keep testing the waters here. And now that all you know, all Americans are watching this in the media, it's become extremely, um, it's become kind of this 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 media battle of which side is stronger. So we could see this keep escalating, and until you know one side puts a clear end to it, it's it's going to get a little bit more dirty. We think.
26: Mario, a quick follow up for him would be after your your guest, the uh, uh, several days ago, the general that said he could see it it wouldn't be far fetched for him to see a scenario where things escalate to the point that china makes a move on taiwan before the next election and so what i guess i'm trying to to ponder here is the meta narrative about china is that they think dynastically whereas we think quarterly and every two years for our you know midterm elections and then our major elections every four years but they think 100 years out, 500 years out. Well, what if they handled things so poorly that in order to maintain the sort of narrative dominance, they've just had to update their 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 prognostications about 2027? Okay, well, what if that timeline has been expedited now because they
27: have to do something to reassert themselves in the world? Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, especially as this whole 2027 deadline has been in the so media. there's a couple of the, things the I the want last to jump. few weeks.
3: Is it me or is Piotr messing up?
2: Mic. Oh, sorry.
3: Yeah, your your connection, Piotr, can you, can hear, you? hear me? Uh, yeah, I can your hear Your connection's really you bad, man. Robert? Yeah, it's good, Yeah, You're back now. Yeah, go ahead. Okay.
15: Yeah, so, um, so Carl, I think you're very astute. Um, what is the biggest fear that autocrats have? It's for their population to become more enlightened, uh, for them to become more informed about the, um, uh, you know, uh, the opportunities and freedoms and liberties that other countries, uh, other populations, other um, civilizations have. Right. Look at the Soviet Union. What did they try ever so hard to do to limit the amount of infiltration of Western media, pop culture and so on during the Uh, late 20th century. So when the COVID, um, zero COVID policy happened and the white paper uh, protests, as they became officially unofficially to be known, um, happened, uh, that was the biggest threat uh, that President Xi has faced during his premiership since he took office. Um, And this is significant because it's the first time we've seen um, this form of China. There's much more assertive wolf warrior diplomacy, which is just a fancy way of saying they're more assertive in their foreign policy, going about, um, you know, having to deal with demographic and domestic issues. So they have two main things now. They have domestic crisis, both from a housing issue, housing bubble, and a public health crisis. And then that is playing into their foreign policy as, uh, as, um, aspirations and interests. So when you have um, Taiwan on the radar, which is, uh, I still remain on the fence as to whether or not they ever actually intend to invade, um, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why in a minute, um, it's... This is something that you could potentially see pushing up their agenda as to why they need to do it sooner rather than later. President Xi isn't getting younger, and he wants to be the man to restore China to its glory days, as you mentioned, the dynastic period. So I don't know whether or not what's happening now, i.e. with these balloons, with these aerial uh, uh, objects, has any direct significance to Taiwan, um, because this is the U.S. mainland and this doesn't necessarily play into the U.S. strategical narrative when it comes to Taiwan. But I do think that this is definitely an interesting development. As I said before, the Canadians and the Americans have a partnership with each other regarding airspace defense. So this engagement between Trudeau and Biden was not that surprising. Uh, And I don't think that this aerial object is of immediate national security because otherwise the U.S. Air Force and others wouldn't be allowing it to bob about over U.S. airspace over the night. So to your point about Taiwan, very uh, last point, uh, I think is that um, it's not going to happen yet. Uh, When I spoke to, you know, uh, we had um, uh, Brigadier General uh, Robert Spaulding here, and I've spoken to various other uh, American uh, defense officials in the past on my podcast. And, you know, there's varying degrees of interest over how much this could happen. Um, It's definitely something that is on the radar. But the reason why I remain... Skeptical is because China, in times of strife, specifically the party, need a object. They need something to stimulate nationalistic sentiment. And Taiwan is the perfect example of that. Um, and I think that you could see um, this remaining a, always a bit on the precipice, of, like on the possibility of invading Taiwan, but never actually being done so. Um, the Chinese have definitely gotten more emboldened in the past 10 years, but we've also seen even in the past six months, uh, President Xi's foreign policy narrative change a little bit. Um, when he spoke to the Saudis, when he spoke to the Iranians, he was a little bit more, uh, well, when he went to the, um, uh, to the G20 meeting and even at the uh, World Economic Forum, a representative of China was there to try and emphasize that China is more collaborative now. I don't believe that for a second, but I think it illustrates that China is trying to be a little bit more uh, nuanced with its way of conducting foreign policy. And these balloons and other stuff could may well be just another part of that psychological warfare. I'll land that.
3: Adam, anything to add? Uh, and I know that uh, the uh, Kobesi letter was also speaking. Anything to add, guys, on what Piotr mentioned? And I want to go to a final question. Uh, Intel Schizo, who's been on the, on the stage before, did send me a, a great explanation of why he thinks China is using balloons, which could look like outdated technology for many of us. So I'll, I'll give Intel Schizo the mic right after Adam and, and uh, uh, Kobesi letter um, uh, respond as well, if they've got anything to add. Adam
10: yeah anything i would add would be take us way too off course i'll let intel skit so or um or kobesi go ahead
3: i appreciate it adam and by the way i've just sent you through my number would love to have you on a future space on this uh on this story uh kobesi appreciate letter it. anything to add because i know you were speaking earlier when piotr glitched out
27: yeah uh i mean nothing really to add i think a lot of what we've said has kind of been echoed in here um but i mean you know Obviously, the whole Taiwan, we were talking about the whole 2027 Taiwan invasion timeline. Um, I mean, it's it's up in the air, but also, you know, China doesn't want, they, they know that it's critical that they move quick on this kind of thing if they're going to do it. And they don't want this to be something in the media for three years, four years before it happens. So whether this is a sign of them testing the waters to see what the U.S. would do if tensions were to escalate or not. Um. They, and now, you know, even if this wasn't intended to be something as a major topic, now that's all over the media, they might look to capitalize on it. So that timeline definitely is is dynamic.
3: And Intask, so I'll give you the mic just to kind of give us the tell the audience the message that you sent me about why you think China could be using uh, balloons when they've got satellites.
6: Yeah. So China's been. Seeing, uh, near space, uh, that's the term that they, uh, dub it as a new front for, uh, military powers across the world to start competing in. Uh, they've looked at the United States. Uh, there's tons of articles out there, uh, in Chinese academic papers. There's like over a thousand on just near space designs of various equipment. Uh, they see this as the next frontier for military technology. And they don't want to be left behind, and they don't want to be uh, behind the ball compared to other countries. And they've really focused in on this. Uh, they they see that this section of space uh, has it advantages over satellites, whether it's the geospatial imagery side, you can get better uh, resolution photos, whether it's the SIGINT side where you can... Collections a little better.
3: And I just want to I just want to share something very briefly. Just got breaking news from uh, uh, Breaking4News, <laughs> Mateos, who's on stage. Just want to mention it briefly. Um, we'll cover it tomorrow. Uh, but uh, Iranian President will visit China from Tuesday to Thursday at the invitation of President Xi Jinping. Um, that was that was uh, quoted by China's Foreign Ministry, and that was just uh, in the past half an hour. Um, I, I think it was the the piece of news came out. Uh, 10 minutes ago, so I'm guessing this is very recent, came on the Jerusalem Post. Matthias, when was that announced? Do you know? When did China announce this? Is it seems to there?
4: be, yeah, sorry, it seems to be that it was announced fairly recently. I forwarded you the report that I saw from the Jerusalem Post, but it was also reported by um, Global Times, the Chinese state-affiliated media, that was that went out at 11.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, it, it's been going out within the past 10, 15 minutes, yeah.
3: I appreciate it, man. And Justin, I know you've got a really interesting clip that you wanted to play as well that Tom Fitton tweeted.
4: Yeah, our own Tom Fitton
23: uh, just uploaded this to his account. Uh, this was a presser I think he had installed about uh, what, our topic uh, du jour.
25: Believe me, Judicial Watch is going to investigate the heck out of this. We had FOIAs that went out immediately into, in response to this attack. We're going to find out what went on what's gone on previously, and what other risks we're facing as a result of this haplessness from this not only the Biden administration, but our defense establishment. This is a sad day for America. It's concerning. It's disturbing in the sense that we are kind of like this hapless giant, unable to do anything in the face of this rather obvious provocation, this brazen attack on our sovereignty. And the failure and the exposure of our weakness in the face of this, and the weakness—it's not uh, not a, in my view, a technological or military weakness. It's political weakness. This is the decision by our military leadership, with the uh, approval presumably of President Biden, who's commander in chief, not to do anything to protect our homeland from this ongoing attack.
23: So uh, I think, uh, obviously, uh, Tom up in arms and, and uh, the foyer king that he is, uh, that will be interesting to see what it comes back.
3: Yeah, Tom is a regular on the space, so I've just DM'd him. We'll bring him on tomorrow to get his thoughts on this. Uh, Nick, I think we should cover this tomorrow when the next balloon uh, or next UFO, if it gets shot down over Montana, it uh, will be it'll be a good uh, good space to kick off with a focus on U.S.-China relations. What do you think? Absolutely.
0: I think this is going to continue developing here, uh, especially because it does seem like uh, the U.S. government has said that they're going to resume this operation that they were working on tonight uh, when daylight breaks in Montana.
3: Yeah, and as always, we'll, we'll keep things objective, um, try to give you the facts, and always have balanced opinions on the panel. Uh, but I think it was great. I'll just give everyone a massive shout-out to Raws Alerts and Breaking4News for, you know, playing a key role in getting this space started and giving us all the information we need and all the panelists that we had that came on and off. And, of course, Nick for helping co-host the space. And our regular panelists. You know, we have Austin who Piotr, uh, who are regulars on the space. Uh, Justin uh, for playing the clips. He's the clip guy. I'll, I'll, Justin, you're the best for playing clips and giving commentary on those clips. I love it, man. Uh, so if you could do it in, in every stuff. space. Yeah, I, I, the way he does it, the audio's impeccable. His commentary, it's on point, never glitching. Um, so yeah, Justin, I'm, I'm probably going to give you a call I, I after kept this. The, I
23: kept the comedy to uh, to a minimum. I was going to bring up you know the Welcome to Earth clip from uh, Will Smith, but uh, we'll play that for another time.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You DM me, Justin. DM me, say, Mario, I've got this clip." I'm like, "No, man, not this space, not today." <laughs> um, oh, I, I also want to give a shout out all source news and um, and other panelists that are regulars on the space. But otherwise, yeah, I think it was a great space. Really enjoyed it uh, for the audience. Hope you enjoyed it as well. The newsletter is pinned above. It's retweeted on my account um if uh, you want a summary of the space otherwise um you know to see us whenever there's breaking news we'll be covering it okay love you all thank you so much ian nick anything to add and alex as well yeah that's
0: that's better yeah because we're gonna have a lot more what
3: about the newsletter Uh, you got to advertise the newsletter i did but i did i did did three times i did my job this time i did i did don't 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 get angry at me ian don't get angry okay Um, um,
8: 2023 is sure on it's weird.
3: So. Man, yeah, it's... it's, it's, um, I, I, it's uh, I got woken up for this. I was literally asleep. Don't jinx it too soon. Don't
24: jinx
3: it. But I, I like how... That's the second time I get woken up this year. A second or third <laughs> time. So, uh, But I think this time, Nick, Nick, you woke me up a bit late because you were like, wondering. Because last time you woke me up and it wasn't major. like, should I wake him up? Should I not wake him up? Should I wake him up? Should I yeah, not wake ended, him up? And it me took and you and a
8: while. chatting and we were like should we wake mario up about this
16: and
0: like, <laughs> no and i was like yeah i just That's did important. like five minutes ago but <laughs> you know Mar- 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 I'm a- yeah, mario it's probably good like we didn't do the space yesterday
3: you know <laughs> yeah yeah i get i get no one i've never been walking up in like years and years no one i never put an alarm so this new lifestyle of being walking up for breaking news <laughs> i you know i gotta get used to it but no when there's something major don't don't be shy. all right everyone thank you so much i'll see you on the next thank one really you. appreciate it bye everyone